Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a scream and shout. I love of Indiana, his manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Hello, Eric. How are you? I am good. I am good. It's Monday night. Thanksgiving is behind us. Uh, how was your Thanksgiving? It was delicious. It was one yeah. of those, a bunch of people, everybody brought something. And, you know, usually somebody's not bringing it. But as I sampled everything around the plate, everybody just killed it. So it's great. It was at somebody else's house. So then again, oh, I'll kind of help you clean up. I did help cut the turkey. So I did my part. But when there's 17 people, your part's pretty small. Did you cook something? Yes, I did Brussels sprouts with onions and bacon with brown sugar. Wow. All right. So what is your Thanksgiving favorite item, a traditional Thanksgiving favorite item? And what is your hot take on an item that is traditional that should be nixed from the Thanksgiving tradition? Okay, so stuffing, you know, but most people stuffing, I think, is going to come in first. It seems to be the one people like to talk about the most. We do, uh, uh, our friends who we've gone to several of their Thanksgiving, like the sister-in-law has a cornbread stuffing, which is extraordinary. So that's that's my jam. When we're in okay. on that Thanksgiving situation, that's as good as it gets. And cranberries, honestly, whatever you want to try to do with cranberries, I'm not interested in. In fact, <laughs> you could just shove it right back up that turkey's ass. <laughs> I don't think that's where they come from. No, but, you know, that's what <laughs> I'll take the stuffing out of the ass and put the cranberries right up in there. You know, um, I'll go ahead and answer it since you asked. Um, <laughs> I was <laughs> assuming you were going to give me your side of this. <laughs> Um, I love cooking the Thanksgiving meal. I do everything. I do the gravy from scratch. I do my stuffing from scratch. I do uh, a, a sweet potato recipe with marshmallow and a graham cracker crust. Ooh. I do um, roasted garlic mashed potatoes. Um, and of course, the turkey. I love doing it. And for me, the process starts the Friday before Thanksgiving. Okay. That's when I get my turkey. I get I get a frozen one and I let it thaw from that sure. Friday on. But okay. I also buy multiple loaves of bread, mm. cut them into cubes and start staling the bread. Okay. So from Friday before Thanksgiving till Thanksgiving, all over my kitchen and sometimes it spreads out, I just have cubes of bread laying out everywhere. <laughs> just, in, just in the open air on top of something. Yeah, staling them so they get you know, hard. Sure. And then if they're not hard enough, I'll do a quick oven rotation, you know, okay. for a couple minutes. 
So I love making it. And then I get up at like 6 a.m. We eat at like two or three. Mandy used to love that. Holly likes doing that. So I get up at like 5, 6 a.m. to start the, the real cooking. But when it comes time to eat it, I don't really like any of it. Really? Yeah. I And you know me, I love to eat. Yeah. And I sit down for Thanksgiving meal every year and I eat very little of, of all of it. I don't eat a lot of turkey. I don't eat a lot of stuffing. I didn't touch the mashed potatoes. Like I just don't, I don't like my, my one hot take. I don't like gravy. Mm. I don't like gravy. I'm with you on cranberries. They do nothing for me. The gravy to me is disgusting. I, I mean, look, yeah. If you look at it, most gravy looks pretty gross. I think there can be amazing gravy, worthless gravy. I do wonder if your disinclination to eat your own food, this is something Annie suffers from. She just is much less interested in food she creates. Uh, she she loves uh, what I make for her, but I think yeah. a lot of that is because she didn't make it. You know, there's so. What do you think about- that is? I don't know. I mean, look, I know when I'm making food and I'm hungry, I get angry and just smelling the food and being around the food. I can be a crazy person by the time we sit down to eat. Like, don't talk to me. Just let me eat what I've been smelling for the last hour. Um, But hearing you say that, all that delicious sounding food and Annie can make some pretty good dishes. But it just doesn't taste as good to her as if I make it. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I mean, I love when I make steak. I love eating my the steak that I make. But I, something about Thanksgiving for me, I don't know, maybe it's the amount of time I put into it that it feels like the finality of it, the finale of it is just presenting it to everybody. Sure. My work is done. You know, I don't know. It's a weird thing. I did have some funny... Uh, I can't believe I'm going to share this. Stella says some funny, funny stuff. Yes, she I mean, does. And she does not really try. So the night before Thanksgiving, we're driving back to my house and Stella, um, how shall I say, she has a certain preference for who she finds attractive. Okay. Okay? Sure. So we're having a conversation about like, her getting a boyfriend at some point. And now for context here, my daughter is, uh, she's 11. There you go. There you go. She's 11. And I said, listen, Stella, here's what you need. You just need a good Jewish boy. Like just get yourself a good Jewish boy. And the rest is history. Good Jewish boy. And Julian's in the car and Stella's in the back seat, and there's just a pause. And then Stella goes, Are there black Jews? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I said, Well, yes. I mean, not many, not many, but there are some. Um, And it's just like, she wasn't even trying to be funny. She was just legitimately doing the math in her head on what she likes and what trying to satisfy my desire as well. And uh, it was just, it was hysterical, but it reminded me of why I like Thanksgiving time because 
it's my favorite holiday because it's not about gifts. Mm, mm. It's not about the stress of buying a gift, receiving a gift. You don't have to worry about like, I don't know how your kids are around Christmas, but my kids for Hanukkah, no matter how much we try to like encourage them to think about charity and doing stuff for Hanukkah, for nice things, it's all about the gifts. And I hate it. I, I, I hate the opening a gift and, oh, it's not the exact thing they wanted, you know, or, oh, wait, is the next gift going to be bigger or better? I just don't like that. Thanksgiving is just everybody gets around. You know you don't have to go to work for a couple days, few days. School's out of session for a few days. And you just get to be around each other. And invariably, something funny happens. And that's the kind of stuff that happened throughout the uh, Thanksgiving weekend, which is why I loved it. And because you usually get an Indiana basketball game. Yeah, for the most part, I think Thanksgiving's the most boring holiday. It's like I, I get all oh. that food at Christmas time too, and I get a bunch of gifts. So yes, and I get and I you're get, the problem. And I get even more time off. The time off I'll give you, but the gift thing where you went first shows what kind of person you are. Yeah, yeah, no, I like things. <laughs> you like things no. to be given to you. No, like it, it, what? Like Indiana basketball games? Yes. Yeah, but around the Christmas time, you know, you're getting real games too. You're getting Big Ten games. You're getting you're That's getting true. into the meat of the schedule. Well, Ward, most teams around Thanksgiving are playing pretty big games. You know, maybe in a a normal season. Maybe it would line up around Thanksgiving. We have a good ACC Big Ten challenge. Obviously, that's not the case. Well, this or year. just a good non-conference tournament. Like, I mean, Gonzaga played UCLA. Gonzaga played Duke. Like, yeah, there but, were some big games. But those are Division One teams. What, divi what division are we in? <laughs> All right, but before we get into the game that was played over the weekend uh, for, for IU, uh, I do want to address something that happened on Thanksgiving night that some of the people listening to this surely saw and maybe they're interested in, but maybe they're not. No. Okay. I know where this is going. There was a little bit of a Twitter kerfuffle, if you will, with Dane Fife. And what are you people doing on Thanksgiving, getting worked up about this? You're surrounded by family, all this good food. And you're getting upset about something Dane does on Twitter? That makes no sense to me. Well, let me explain what happened to me on Thanksgiving. So as I said, I gave all the food out. Mm -hmm. We started early. You're so charitable. You're so giving. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end of the night, I smoked a cigar outside by myself, had a little alone time. But it was not a cigar that I typically smoke. And it's not one that I've been a huge fan of in the past, but I decided to give it a second chance. Truth be told, I had Holly's son, Flynn, go pick me a cigar from the humidor. And he chose this one. And it made me sick. And I went into the bathroom and just yacked my guts out. <laughs> good felt thing much better. Good thing you didn't eat very much. Yeah, felt much better after yacking, but was in a bit of a state of delirium, truthfully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I'm laying in my bed while the rest of the family is just kind of, you know, in food coma. Wishing they were opening presents. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just being grateful for the bountiful feast that they were provided. 
boring. (laughs) (laughs) And I checked my Twitter. And that's where I see, and I will read this tweet from Dane Fife. Okay. Happy Thanksgiving at This Is The Izone. So already I'm like, and then I look down and he is responding to a tweet from the Izone, which is the asshole student section of Michigan State. And their tweet says, happy Thanksgiving. Thankful for the best student section in the country. Okay. So Dane's tweet is happy Thanksgiving at this is the Izone and my Sparty fan. Already not loving that this is the tweet I'm reading from our guy, Dane Fife on Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And then he says this, you are the best in the land. Now I'm getting hot. Then, but your parentheses, yet to be named Hoosier student section will respectfully rival you in due time. Now, we are well aware of your little sister. I don't know what that means, to be honest with you. That part I don't know, which is the true, which is a true statement for 40% of Dane Five tweets. I don't know what they mean. Right. And then consider us your brother from another mother. So granted, I was a little under the weather. My eyes were going a little cross-eyed. And I read this a few times and it did bother me. I didn't like that an Indiana Hoosier coach was telling a rival that they were the best in the land, that they were saying flatly that we are not the best in the land from a student section, and also saying that our student section is yet to be named. No, they're not. They have a name. They are the Crimson Guard. That is what our student section is called. It, it, they have a Twitter account. Dane, I believe Dane. they follow Dane Fife. D- Dane did not get the memo. <laughs> and so... Several people had reached out to me to basically, and so I read it and wasn't sure what to do with it. But then I check our DMs and some texts, and there's a whole bunch of people that are pissed off about How it. many, honestly? Three, four? I got four texts, <laughs> and there were at least, but I did get texts from former players. I did get some texts from former players simply asking, what is this about? So listen, is it worth getting worked up about? Probably not. No. But it did bug me. And so I responded with a tweet that simply said, um, what? That was my tweet. So you want so you you wanted to pour gasoline on the fire is what you wanted to well i was not the first to be doing this i was participating in now a what seemed like a cacophony of twitter activity around this tweet like 10 or 15 no 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 no. ward no (laughs) no 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 this tweet generated hundreds and hundreds of responses okay it did and he then responded oh and, and then i responded with something else basically saying I just hope that this means Dane's account was hacked. Right. And, you know, by the way, we're not brothers from any mother. We're Indiana basketball. You're not to Michigan State. Right. That's the extent of the relationship. It made me feel better to say that. (laughs) Did it? Did it? 
It did. Yeah, for sure. In the moment, it made me feel better. Uh And then Dane responded and there was a back and forth that was not pretty. Mm -hmm. Did that make you feel better? No. Mm, Okay. It did not. So what I will say is Dane and I then had a text exchange about it. (laughs) Where where he apologized. He, he, he apologized and he went and deleted all of his tweets. Okay. He, he, and, and look, I know his intention was not to like shit on Indiana, but it just, I didn't feel was necessary. Did it warrant getting worked up again? No, but Dan and I had a little conversation afterwards. We talked again about it and he does regret sending it out. Um, and regrets the way he he voiced it and also made it clear to me that what his intent was was to say we're coming for you right and and it just he didn't and i go well then next time can you just say that like that would rally everybody um but look it became a thing there was a pigs post about it you know um lots of people defending dame lots of people upset at it and in the end, it amounts to absolutely nothing. Nothing. This impacts our program in no way, shape, or form. That I don't agree with. I do agree with it. No, I don't. No. He I, is I, a public I, figure, I, and he is in public telling recruits, current players, current players on the team, current players, hey, guys, we're not as good as Michigan State. I don't want to hear our assistant coach saying that. I don't want to hear anybody saying it that wears the cream and crimson in any way. If, don't want to hear it. If he was saying it repeatedly, if it was a, a systemic problem, if it was just something he couldn't stop himself from doing. But this is one poorly worded tweet that some people took the wrong way and has zero impact on our program whatsoever. And then I get a text from you on Thanksgiving night that you're clearly upset about this. You don't tell me about this amazing meal you made your family or how grateful you are to have them surrounding you on this blessed of holidays. That was over. That was over. That was over. I had vomited. Once I vomited, that that day is over, and now we're on to something new. Um, but the bottom line is, yes, you're right. It's not worth getting this worked up about. I don't. I still don't like anybody from Indiana praising a rival like that. Uh, and I don't think our our fans take a backseat to anyone. So that's why it got me rankled. But it's ridiculous. And looking at it in the in the clear light of day it uh is absolutely asinine to get worked up about it so um yeah so that happened but all's well that ends well and it all ended well and that turned into a saturday that i was very much looking forward to because it was another chance to watch indiana basketball and we're going to get into like really breaking down some stuff with our guests today so i don't think we need to go into it that much right Except to say, watching Trace Jackson Davis score 43 points and just raining down dunks all over the place. And at the beginning of the game, some really good moves under the basket, spinning over his left shoulder, shooting with the right hand. Like, he was just rolling. And I loved it. I mean, it was fun to watch. Seeing him perform at that level, it was very obvious to me that he was powered by... (laughs) 
you did both sides of it. Well, I it just seemed like uh, an alley oop slam dunk to myself. And how often do you get to do that? Trace was a beast to behold. I mean, that was it. And yes, I get it was Marshall, but it wasn't Northern Illinois. It was Marshall. You know, there's a D'Antoni over there. There's there's some guys who have some game on the other side, but nobody had anything close to an answer to this guy. And I just love that they kept going back to it. They didn't try to get cute with it. They didn't try to show all the different things they can do and the new toys they have. They were like, feed the man. And the man fed and fed and fed. And it was like watching Jonathan Taylor last weekend score five touchdowns. I'm starting to look at my family and being like, you guys, this is not like this is not something that has been seen in decades or as we found out later ever in assembly hall. Like we got to watch real like the most points ever scored by a player ever in a game at assembly hall. That's incredible that is not what you expect to see when you turn on a saturday game against marshall no and i've made this point i think to to you off air and to anybody indiana's played a lot of shit teams at assembly hall since 1971 oh a lot it's 50 years of probably playing at least five shitty teams a year at least sure right so it's at least 250 games and then there's some shitty shitty big 10 teams that come to town so add in a couple more of those a year and you're at 350 400 shitty teams that have come in and no one's done this and how so many deserves gra- credit and how many great 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 iu players have played on that court however many times during their career. And then you have a good amount of pretty good players coming from other teams showing up there sometimes four times in their career and that nobody's ever done that. It's it's hard to process. Like, that was it. It is. And look, I think you and I, not to bring it back to your favorite topic, baseball, but we talked a little bit about when the Cardinals were going through their 17-game win streak, which was the most that the Cardinals had done ever, you know, that it was in the it was at the end of the regular season, which had playoff implications. But you watch a regular season, and, like, it's rare to get something that's never been done, that yeah. is history, that is an all-time record. And I think about our podcast – and how we bring guys on and talk to them about, okay, so remember this game against Washington State where you, you know, hit seven three-pointers and scored 35 points? Like, this is the game that will be talked about with Trace forever. Yeah. Yeah. Forever. We all got to witness history. And when you're playing these shitty teams, and by the way, they're shitty and we didn't play well overall, but – you get something magical, enjoy the hell out of it. And yeah. I did. I I didn't like the defense, but man, did I enjoy his energy, his aggressiveness, uh, the power of the dunks, the creativity, the windmill at the end was just <laughs> beautiful. I mean, it was just, I know it meant nothing, but it's just, it was so much fun to be watching one of these shitty games but yet knowing that we had something to sink our teeth into that people will talk about forever. It is in the record books now. Boom. And 
uh, as much as I love the windmill, uh, I think when he was thumping his own chest, that that was, again, because we all have seen this increase in intensity by Trace. And when you compare that to just the double bicep pump, you know, of previous years, it's nothing like the full-on just pounding his chest. And Annie's watching it with me. She goes, you'll never see a woman do that. <laughs> <laughs> And Rude. there's obvious reasons for that, but uh, but even even she couldn't deny that this was a team and a player in particular who was in the zone, who was just feeling it, was like living up to his maximum potential. And when how can you not have a good time and be inspired when you see that? Well, I have a feeling somebody we talked to today may not feel the same way. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's why we have him on the show. Um, but I, I want to have I have one critique of Trace during the game. Okay. And maybe it's not as much a critique of Trace and more just a result of how good he was. But there were so many dunks and so many moments to get pumped up and try to get the crowd pumped up that the windmill dunk, I believe, the way he celebrated that was he got in a time machine and went back to 1992 and just started raising the roof, which should not happen anymore. You don't raise the roof anymore. It's over. He needed a different celebration than raising the roof like he was kid in play. I well, mean, it was... You got to keep in mind, though, this is Assembly Hall. The roof is really way up there. Yeah. So only when you score... 43 points and finish on a windmill jam. Can you actually raise a roof that 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 is that high? Fair enough. Um, I thought X looked really good after a bumpy start with a couple turnovers. I mean, yeah. the, guy, the guy filled the stat sheet. It was really the Trace and X show. I mean, honestly, I mean, the combined, I think they scored 63 of the 90 points. That is correct. That is correct. Though when finally – Coach D'Antoni on the other side said, all right, maybe we should throw another guy at Trace. He is getting better at, and better at knowing where Parker is, where Miller is, and getting it to him right away for a really clean open shot that they are hitting right now. Yes, although I do want to say this. I said this in chat tonight. One thing to look for, and I agree, Trace is making the, the wise choice out of the post more often than he ever has. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's no doubt. The next step, is that when he passes out of the post, put it where it needs to be. Because there were a couple times where, like, one perfect decision to pass it to Parker, but threw it at his knees. Parker had to go down and get it, missed the three on that one. Sure. When he gave it to him where in the shooting pocket, drilled it. And as many coaches have said to me, you would be amazed when you watch a missed three. Just think about how many of those missed threes are a result of a pass that was not right where the guy needed it. And this that's is, the next step for Trace. This is, but this is your obsession with this team all year, I think. You are going to be looking for every pass from every player and how close it hits in those pockets. And uh, so Gordon. now I'm doing it right along with you because you've been harping on this already. And, you know, I do think that's something when you're looking at, say, like Christian, you know, how is he going to develop this year? Is he the future? Okay, let me see where he's putting those passes, particularly to the guys who are about to shoot. Um, I will say, you know, just kind of, and I'm thinking about stuff we're not going to talk with our guest about, is that on the offensive, offensive side of things is that they there's there's still some hesitancy 
all in the passing. Like when you see the really good teams, I totally and how quickly agree. they swing it around the perimeter. And you'll see our guys, you know, sometimes they'll even squeeze in a dribble or two. But even just this sort of moment's hesitation, should I pass it over here? Yes, I should. And too late, the defense is already caught up to what you're doing. And we're missing out on a lot of good open looks because there's just this slight hesitation on where it's supposed to go. I totally agree. We have not seen the ball whip around right. the way that you do with, with the really good passing teams, the way Beeline Michigan teams used to do, the way obviously a lot of NBA teams like the Warriors or the Suns or the Miami Heat, you know, whip the ball around. You know, I think we've gotten better at making like the one pass to get to the right guy, trace in the post, whip it over, inbound play, skip pass. But you're right. We have not seen the free-flowing just whipping the ball. And look, this team is young as far as a team together. So yep. I hope we we get to see that more. I do want to bring up IU women's basketball. Sure. Because they played a game on Thanksgiving Day mm-hmm. against defending national champion Stanford. Still number Perennial one. top program. I watched the game while the turkey was cooking mm-hmm. and Stanford had a chance to blow us out and we battled our asses back amidst, by the way, a game where Mackenzie Holmes probably played her worst game as an Indiana Hoosier. She was really bothered by the size of Stanford and, yeah. you know, she would just make her moves that normally she can just put in and they were getting blocked. Um, but we had a chance to win that basketball game at the end. They battled hard. They never gave up. And it just reminded me, oh, well, this is where we are now. Yep. We can compete with the best teams in the country and expect to win our fair share of those games. And so I enjoyed watching the game. I thought they battled. Nicole Cardano-Hillary, you want to watch a point guard who gets after it defensively and bothers the other team? She is awesome. Really awesome. I think um, this is one of those where – you you don't want a moral victory. They don't need a moral victory at this point. They were moments away from the final four last year. This is the one that actually proves to them. They are that good. They are now good enough to compete for a national championship this year, this team against the best team in the land right now. But Ooh, is it gonna burn them and stick in their craw and eat away at them every day between now and, and the NCAA tournament. And if they'd won that, sure, maybe be even more confident, but but like you almost couldn't help by like, boom, okay, they would have been probably the number one team in the country or jumped up to like two, wherever. I actually think for them to win the whole thing this year, losing like this in this fashion when they didn't have their best game is sort of the perfect ingredient to what you need to fuel yourself the rest of the way through. Yeah, I think that's well said. Um, and then they came back and won a tight game uh, against Miami to finish out the Bahamas, and now they're back. So IU soccer lost. I mean, I think we put the curse on them, truthfully. We went to a game this year, and Never it's Never should have showed up. Never should have showed um, up. But uh, look, man, we're in the thick of basketball season. It's basketball because... season. And f- Oh, do we want to talk about football? No, it's basketball season. All right. I'm glad um, he fired the offensive coordinator. We all are. I will say this about, and look, I put this out on the text chain with you and the goons, and then like later in the day, Atlanta Golf Nut put it out there 
Would you rather have? I don't think it was Atlanta Golf Nut. No, it was another Atlanta handle, but it was not Kent. It wasn't Kent. Okay. <clears throat> well, whoever it was, it was clearly in the ether. Would you rather Gonzaga go undefeated and win the national championship and defile the memory of the 76 team as no longer being the last undefeated team? Or would you want Purdue to win the national championship? It's the ultimate Sophie's choice. And uh, I I came strongly down on the side of let another team go undefeated. By the way, it seemed like that on Pigs was the universal answer. Oh, because I, I didn't I didn't go in there to to soil the the yeah, topic no, for I think... us. But who I was texting with about it when I originally it was Jensen came up with the idea. He was all about defending seventy six, and he didn't care uh, so much about Purdue. I'm like, well, one. You've never lived in Indiana. Two, your sister went to Purdue, so you actually have like this soft spot for Purdue. You don't get it, dude. There is no way we can let Purdue win a national championship. Whatever it takes. I'm talking to you guys out there. If it looks like Purdue's getting close, we're going to have to take this into our own hands. What's Jeff Galuli doing these days? Remember him? Uh, yeah, didn't he whack Tanya Harding in the or, or well, uh, Nancy, Nancy Kerrigan? Kerrigan. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, gloves come off if they get to the Final Four. We yeah, look, pull out all the stops. I was as big of a Baylor fan as I could be last year in mm -hmm. the championship game. And, and I hate Baylor. And I was so happy that they smoked Gonzaga. So it bothers me whenever there's an undefeated team that's anywhere close. Remember Kentucky a few years ago? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that may be the better one, Ward. Would you rather Kentucky go undefeated and win a championship? Because that has a little bit more animosity from us than Purdue. But So Purdue loses a couple but wins the national championship. Kentucky goes undefeated and wins it. I think I still go with let Kentucky go undefeated. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. Obviously, both are nightmares. But that's tough. That's a tough one for me. It is. It is tough. It is tough. But then you're like, well, that Kentucky team was completely bought and paid for. '76 was pure. Yeah. What? Here's what you want to have happen in that scenario: Kentucky wins and then has to vacate. <laughs> no, you know what? Because. That that's they're, what I want. But they're like, and that's the thing. The whole thing, Louisville vacating their last one. Who cares? Like their fans got to experience it. They were like, we are the national champs. Okay. You can like say we have to take down the banner, but you can never take away the memories from us. And, and ultimately you're right. But it sucks that anytime that somebody would talk about it, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's the cheating team. <laughs> yeah, the, like um, the Astros. No, but the bottom line is we, we, you're right. We cannot allow Purdue to win the national championship, period. I mean, Whatever. we just cannot allow that to happen. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And what it takes for you and I on this post-Thanksgiving episode in the middle of basketball season is to bring back one of our best friends. This that's, that's a little bit, that's a liberal <laughs> yeah. use of the term best friend. I'm glad you said it to me and not to him. Um, but we love this guy. He's been on a couple times and never afraid to share an opinion, no matter how unpopular it might be. So I say 
Let's get to it. Here comes our guest. Here comes our guest. Here we go. All right. Well, before we start, how are you, sir? Holy shit. You shaved. Yeah, man. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, you know what? I, you know what? It was getting over. I mean, maybe that's why I bailed out of being seen and seeing you. I, I feel like I was talking to the Taliban and people <laughs> in Terre Haute. They like that. And I just, maybe that's what it was. I, now, you know what? That is what it was. Yeah, well, if it wasn't, you're going to stick to it. <laughs> All right. Well, Lord, I mean, obviously, we're going to use all that. So uh, let's do a intro, a post intro intro. Well, if you didn't know who that voice belonged to, uh, Eric will tell you who it belongs to because it's one of our favorite people for the most part. Let's just keep it short. Former Big Ten player of the year, former Big Ten champion, played in the NBA, just an all around stud. From Terre Haute, Indiana, a legend of Indiana University, please welcome back to the show for maybe a record time. He may be the, he may have just passed Michael Lewis as the the most frequent guest, which really just means I think three times. But please <laughs> welcome Brian Evans. Thanks, guys. <coughs> You better make this one count. I mean, it, this is my third and last visit, so make it count. <laughs> You're driving. Why are you driving to Fort Fun? Um, well, I got to work up there today. But actually, I'm, I haven't left yet. So hang on, because I'm dropping off a Keurig um, at Goodwill right now, because I'm trying to do some Goodwill. And I'm oh shoot! Hang on, guys. I just ran into a bunch of uh, fire trucks. One of my favorite restaurants is on fire. What? McDonald's? (laughs) That was great. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. Now this place is called Wolfie's. It's in Carmel, and um, they look like they're in trouble. Wow. Are you gonna go out? All right. You gonna right, go out and fight the fire? The show. It looks like they've got it under control. I don't know. Do they have a former Big Ten Player of the Year there uh, running things to make sure everything gets where it needs to get? I'm sure I can reach higher than most of the uh, firemen, but I don't think they need my help. All right, guys, give me ten seconds, okay? Ten seconds. I'm sorry. He's he's going he's going to run into the fire, and save all the egg McMuffins. I just like the idea that he is running with a Keurig under his arm, <laughs> bypassing the fire to give the Keurig to Goodwill. By how, the way, it, I mean, is how, that an item that Goodwill is really asking for? I mean, I'm sure they get lots of Keurigs. I'm sure you a lot so? of- I I think so. I think Keurigs are overrated. Well, you're a coffee Yeah, star. they are. They are overrated. I just got a- I got a different coffee maker. It's time to let the curd go. I don't think it's as fresh. Time for a new beginning. Are you are you a coffee snob the way Ward is? Brian? I'm sure not. No, I, no, I'm not a snob at all. I can see him having one of those real foo foo Starbucks orders. That is not me. Oh, no, oh, no, Starbucks. Starbucks. Hey, if I may, Starbucks is ass. 
Starbucks is okay. ass. You're you're better off getting your coffee at McDonald's than at Starbucks. Well, easy does it because I do get it at Dunkin' Donuts and I like it. So don't don't make too much fun of it. Also better than Starbucks is um, Dunkin' Donuts coffee. The cold brew isn't so good, but overall, Dunkin' Donuts you could do a lot worse. Seems like a good time to announce that our new sponsor is Starbucks coffee. <laughs> Drink some ass every morning. (laughs) So, Brian, how the hell are you, man? I'm good, guys. I'm good, guys. I'm coming off the heels. I'm not going to get into your next segment of me being at a game the other day, but I went to my first game of the season. I got my first set of season tickets in 25 years of being, you know, moved on from Bloomington. I got season tickets for the first time, so finally went to a game. T- tell Let's, us why you made that decision, Brian Evans. Um, because I have a family of six, and they're all kind of at the ages where everybody at least is telling me they'd like to go to more games. And I was mooching off of Dr. Green's two tickets most of the time <laughs> and then having to kind of scrounge around if I needed two or four more. And so I decided, you know what, if I could get – two seats right next to it right next to his two between us we could you know play around with four season tickets and, and they're really good seats i like where his seats are now where mine are and it's time to do it you know it's, it's not maybe the answer you're looking for is is part of it this uh rejuvenation of the program yes yeah i'm excited that uh, maybe it's time for us to get good get good again well, let's let's just jump right into it. So you went to the game. Which game were you at? You were not at the Tuesday night game where Trace Jackson Davis, uh, or sorry, Tuesday night Saturday game where Trace scored yeah. forty three. I was there. Yeah, it was Marshall. Yeah. Oh, you were there. So you got to see some history. I guess I, you know. I, I, if you want to call it history, that's fine. It's well, no, fight. I no, I don't. I don't want to call it history. <laughs> It is history. It's the most points ever scored by any player at Assembly Hall. That you you can talk about the competition maybe not being big, but there's been plenty of crappy teams that have come through Assembly Hall over the years, and no one ever put 43 on them. So it is history, Mr. Evans. Hi, sir. All right, well, give us your take on what you saw. Um, obviously you saw kind of a tale of two halves a little bit where the first half was, was a difficult one. And, and then they put it together for the second half, but what was your take on watching the team? And, and look, you, you have a keen basketball eye, uh, at multiple levels, including the pros. What did you see from the team that, that is different, better, worse than what you've seen the past few years? Well, thanks for, thanks for, complimenting my keen eye, but I, I don't know that I saw history. Um, what I saw, and I don't even think I saw a tale of two halves. Maybe we weren't even watching the same game. Well, what'd I you saw, see? What'd you see, okay. Mr. Negativity? I didn't see, well, okay. I'm, I'm not pure negativity, okay? I did see a guy score 43 that um, didn't make a shot what I would call a shot. He made a couple post moves and about 14 dunks, but, but I didn't see him. He never made a jump shot. 
And that doesn't mean he didn't get 43 points and lead us to a win. He did. Okay. And he played hard. I'm not, not trying to take it away from him. And I, and I've, I was happy for the, the player, but that was, um, it was pretty weak. I mean, the de- the defense was pretty weak. I mean, we threw it over the top and got just a boatload of layups. I was just surprised they never tried to pack it in a little bit and make us shoot jumpers. Um, but I, guys, I'm not here to critique the team. I took my family down to have an enjoyable night in Bloomington. I had a blast. Uh, we can talk more about the game later. We went to Buffalo's, which was the highlight of the trip. Uh, we sat up in the what we call the Eagle's Nest above the front door. Yeah. A big table. My family fits up there nicely. We ordered 50 wings. Uh, I could give you the flavors if you're interested. Let's in do it. Flavors. Yeah. It was a nice, we, we had some uh, teriyaki sesame, some mild, some spicy uh, garlic, Parmesan garlic, I believe was one of the other ones, and some hot barbecue. It was delicious. Um, I had a pitcher of Miller Lite by myself. Uh, it was wonderful. Icy cold. Wait, wait, I, sorry. You're, you're skipping over an important detail. Traditional wings or boneless wings? Uh, traditional wings there. I, I, I like boneless at other places. They're traditional wings. I don't, I don't even, I don't know if I've ever had their boneless there. Yeah. I, 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 think, success. I think you have to go traditional. And if you go boneless, it's a character flaw at Buffalo. Let's go back to the, one of the, the real foundations of Indiana basketball with Bob Knight. Big sign. In the locker room, I think I was told this was the first thing that he hung up in the in the locker room when he got the job. It's a real basic sign. It says, "Don't complicate winning," and it's a. It's, I think it's a great saying. I use it all the time, and that was my philosophy when I go to Buffalo's as well. I'm just not gonna. We're not gonna get cute. We're not gonna be between the legs behind the back. We're not gonna go boneless wings. We're going straight traditional crispy. I like them a little bit crispy too. Yeah, Brian, if I could, my good friend Eric Pinkowski introduced me to a menu item at Buffalo's that I scoffed at when he brought it out, but it changed my life. Have you had the pot roast sandwich? No. It's extraordinary. That is a 360 windmill slam dunk that you need to try. I will. I, it's hard. It's hard because we have our go-to, but no, I'll do that. I, and you know what else? They have a blue cheeseburger that's done differently than anywhere else. It's not like a slice of blue cheese. It is, it's some kind of spread, homemade spread that they have that's really good. I don't, order, I don't ever order it though, because we're never down there, and it's just it's wing time when we go. And the and the other staple, kids get their curly fries. I like their tomato cheese bread. Have you had that? No, I've not had that. No. Oh, my goodness. So now they're the official sponsor. They just bumped Starbucks out of the way. Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, I am a little concerned about the 50 wings for six people. Ward and I will kill 30 wings, just the two of us. Right. Right. So I got one daughter that's she's a salad eater. She stays out of it. My wife's not going to mash 15 like you or me or Ward. I mean, she's just going to have a few. Um, we did go back and get an extra 10 of the Parmesan garlic because one of my daughters, that was her order, and, and everybody tried them because they were really good. I would yeah. recommend trying the Parmesan garlic. So 
we ate hers and she got mad so she went back and ordered 10 more so really it was 60 wings five people eating and how many do you think you crushed probably 10 12 maybe hmm. Very i gotta nice. be honest with like you that. not impressed with that well i'm not in there to you know I could do it if I was in a, if you put me in a contest, I just didn't think I was in a contest. Yeah. Well, you weren't clearly speaking of <laughs> speaking of contests, let's steer it back to the basketball court. Cause as much as people are tuning in to get your insight on Ed Schwartzman's delicious menu, they, they do want to know what you're seeing in a team that has yet to be tested by super high caliber competition. St. John's okay. Whatever. Maybe a tournament team, but Brian, what are you seeing at large from this team over a relatively small sample size? Okay, so as long as no one's going to get their feelings hurt, I'm just trying to be blunt and real honest and just and, and critical, like borderline trying to be critical early, right? Yes. So we're not rah rah too much, right? Because I, I am seeing some good good stuff that I'm excited about. But I, but I'll I'll start off by being critical, um, and I've I've watched. I think five of the six games or at least four of the games. And it's kind of been a recurring thing. There's, you know, we're still a little bit loose with the ball and the unforced turnovers, you know, that gets under my skin and, and, and the team keeps doing that, you know, like a quick seven turnovers in this Marshall game. And they were, I mean, guys, what I'm seeing is it, it's just unforced. Like it's, it's a little sloppy and loose with the ball and dribble off your own leg maybe not hold on to a rebound and, you know what I mean? Just, just kind of the sloppy stuff that I, I worry about. I, I'll give a, a prime example. Second half, Christian Lander, top of the key. Um, has a, a little bit to the left side and race Thompson's going to pop off, off the left block towards where Woody's standing uh, to receive a pass. And it's like he zipped the ball too hard, too far away. Race Thompson didn't, you know, because he had his man kind of pinned behind him. So he wasn't really, if this makes sense, busting out to the three-point line to catch it. And it's just, it's, it's a collective thing. The two of them just botch up the play, and he throws it out of bounds. And that kind of turnover just scares the crap out of me because there's no pressure on the ball. There's not Big Ten pressure on the ball. And there's not Big Ten pressure on the post. And and it's a simple exchange, and we chuck it out of bounds. Those are the ones that's like, we don't have enough time to get that much better. That's the kind of turnover that just makes me anxious about the Big Ten. Does that make sense? Sure. For sure. I, I, think that, I think that it's very fair to say that this team, over the course of six games against, let's be honest, awful competition, yeah. has been – careless with the basketball and has turned the ball over way too many times. I mean, just way too well, many. Well, the game, the game, I don't remember which one it was. I think maybe it was St. John's, the 27 turnovers. I, you don't win those games. I mean, you know, anything over 20, that's kind of like that, the kiss of death. And somehow they won that game. But there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of it, guys. And so it's not just, you know, tidying up a little bit. I think it's more than that. It makes me nervous for the for the competition and I think it's a great great time to segue into our our schedule which is really frustrating for me I you know and I I care about this program I don't want to come off you know like um um a pain in the ass about it but it's so soft 
I, I just can't stand it. And when I'm watching Purdue doing what they're doing right now, I, I think we have to tip our cap to that team and Matt Painter a little bit, which I nobody could possibly hate doing that more than me. I hate it. But you have to do it because they, they play a good brand of basketball. They're playing hard. They're playing smarter. And they're playing teams. You're not afraid to go out and play people. You know, they're, they're playing over and over ranked teams, competitive teams that are going to be vying for a Final Four appearance. And we're just playing. It's just Cupcake City. It just it bothers me. And then, we're, and then we play kind of loose. Um, you know, that's not an attack on Coach Woodson. I don't know. I don't know who built the schedule, but whoever it was was scared. Well, uh, so to, to just kind of dig into that a little bit, because Ward and I have talked about this on air and off air many times. As a fan, I hate this schedule. Uh-huh. I mean, I hate it. it it's uh, These games have the feel of exhibition games for the most part. And I just hate it. It's hard to get excited about a Tuesday night game against Louisiana or Marshall or Eastern Michigan or whoever the hell we have coming in. I mean, we're playing a team called Merrimack coming in. I mean, I've never even heard of that. So it's, it's frustrating as hell as a fan. I try to, you know, as I try to better myself, I try to put myself in, in the shoes of someone else. And I do wonder, do you buy at all the argument that this is Woody's first year? We have a ton of new players, including many transfers um, some many, young players. Many of those players had their psyches shattered over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, that it, it just hasn't been a good run, obviously. And for one year, year one, where we have not made the NCAA tournament since 2016, oh. does it make sense to say we just got to rack up wins and get as many wins as we can and make the tournament, period. What, however we have to do it this year, this one year, get these kids confidence by playing this bad competition, hopefully get it rolling into the Big Ten, tread water in the Big Ten if you can, make the tournament. If that was the thinking behind this soft schedule, Brian, do you buy that at all, or do you think that is just pansy-ass shit? Yeah, maybe. I, you know, I... I don't like it. I'm like, as a fan, no, I don't like it. Um, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know how soft they are. I, I mean, did, did they cry after games? I don't know what they did. I don't know how different it is now than it was a million years ago. But I know we want to we wanna back our way into the tournament one time and prove that, you know, we can get invited again. But I, I don't think you do yourself any favors. I don't think the wins matter near as much to the selection committee um, when you're playing 200 to 400 RP, you know, the RPI teams or whatever that ranking is now, I don't think they changed it to something else, but you know what I'm saying? Sure. I, I, I just don't think they put any weight on that at all. So I think you're better off cutting your teeth a little bit and the, the committee, they go deep, but now the committee is being run by our own Chris Reynolds. So I'd like to think if we played some competition it would be more helpful to get these guys prepared for the Big Ten because, like, there's such a big difference between – and I'll tell you, as a player, um, trying to inbound the, let's inbound the ball, trying to um, engage in, in the offense and getting the ball to the wing like this turnover I was describing, that could be tough when you got a, a ball hawk, you know, guarding the ball 
and make it, and then the guy on the post making it really difficult to enter the ball on the wing, it, it could get really tough against a Big Ten team when they're feeling zero resistance right now. Zero. That's not a. I, I, I'm more fearful of the jump from zero resistance to full resistance. I, I think it makes more sense to play. Hey, guys, I'm talking about like Drake, um, Indiana State. No, let's stay out of state so we don't have to be afraid of losing to an in-state school, which unfortunately is our mentality, I think, in the last few years. Let's bring in, uh, I don't know, not Creighton. That's too, that's too much. No, Let's but, bring in a Missouri Valley school that we're not. That's not going to come in and 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 be too good. Do you know what I'm saying? I I think we have I do. cherry picked some of the worst schools you could possibly play. And Merrimack, I I, I didn't know that was a school. Why are we playing teams that I didn't know existed? Now, I, I, just to play devil's advocate, because I I want to believe that glass is always half full, is if you have a team with a bunch of new players, still some young players, a new coach, uh, a new systems really on, you know, both ends of the court, is there any validity to, like, figuring it out what you're trying to do against terrible competition so you you've developed an identity by the time the big 10 season rolls around because clearly there's plenty of quality wins to be had in the big 10 so you can get into the tournament if you do well there is is there any way we're better because we have these scrimmages to figure out who we are before ohio state shows up i I mean my my personal opinion is isn't like a hard no, but it's also like, you know, I, I would, I would think you'd come up with some form of a mixture between, Hey, let's do what you just said, right? Let's feel our way into this thing and understand who we are as a team and who we, you know, who our teammates are, our coaching staff, all that kind of stuff, but also mix in, let's have some balls and play some people and try to see where we're actually at. Cause mm-hmm. we're, we don't know. And now what is it tomorrow night? We're going to go to, you know, and let's not build Syracuse into a powerhouse. They're they're not, you know, they suck. They're not as good as they've been in the past. But I still, I, I don't, I, I think we're gonna. Have, there could be a wake up call coming. Um, I don't know. We've we've beat on that enough. I just think the well, schedule no. part is weak. I don't. I just don't think you get enough out of playing those types of teams. And the selection committee's onto it. I mean, it just they're onto it. You're gonna have to go. I think they'll throw out the garbage teams that we're beating and they're going to focus on what we do in the big 10 anyway. So my focus would be trying to get ready for the big 10. Uh, look, I agree with you. I mean, I, I really do. I, to me, the crazy part is what you just said. How can you not meet in the middle? Like right now, our strength of schedule in the country is 336. There are only. <laughs> I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that, but I did look at the first – so I get season tickets, right? The yeah. day before the first game is when I officially got them or, and bought them. And then I looked at the schedule, and I thought about calling and giving them back. <laughs> I didn't want to go to these games. I was like, wait a minute. I don't want to go to any of these games. And then my family they started putting, you know, little chin music on me and said, hey, we we got to go to a game. It's Thanksgiving break. And that's why we went. Yeah, I, I just don't understand why we have to be 336. Like, I could understand being 220. You know, like, 
like there's just such a gulf between what we are doing and playing even a respectable schedule. It's like, we're not even talking about playing a tough schedule, just respectable. And they clearly did not want to do that. So I agree. It's embarrassing. We... And, and our football team Ooh. needs to be playing the 300 uh, toughest schedule and they're playing the second toughest schedule, yes, whatever exactly. it is. We're all messed up, man. <laughs> okay. Look, we do have a bunch of new pieces uh, or, or you could look at guys who, who are coming back. But what are you seeing from, uh, let's say, let's just keep it to guys who weren't on the team last year? Have you seen something from these new guys you like or you're, you're still on the fence about whether or not we've actually upgraded talent this year? Sure. I mean, we can go through all these guys. We'll go one by one. Let's pick on all of them. I'm in. That's why Scoop. we're doing this. Scoop. What do you think of Scoop? Tamar Bates. Okay. Didn't know his name was Scoop. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll let that digest later. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he's actually the guy I think I'm most, the, the most intrigued by um, so far. You know, there, there's just a kind of a ranginess to him. He's got a what I see is a, a, a nice feel to the game. It doesn't mean he's not going to make rookie mistakes and that sort of thing, but there's something about the way he kind of glides up and down the court I, that I like. Um, a little bit of courage, you know. He's he he made a big shot, you know, late in the game, even the other night when we let it get down to six. He stuck a three in to get it back to whatever it was ten or eleven. Um, so yeah, he's he's a guy that I just I. I certainly see promise in it I just you know not off the charts athletic necessarily but kind of there's a craftiness to him that I like I agree I I think that's a great way to put it that he's he doesn't blow you away with athleticism but there does seem to be some um some guile to him some, some craftiness as you put it I, I think that's a great way to put it uh all right let's go with the point guard uh Xavier Johnson Okay, I, I like his – he's got some moxie that I like. Um, just certainly a willingness to, to get into the point guard and, and just cause some problems. He actually reminds me of Chris Reynolds a little bit. Just like you put him on the ball from when they inbound it and go, hey, dude, if you get tired, we'll give you a blow, but we want you to pick up 94 feet and just harass people because that works. And he, he just got a little street tough to him. At least that's what I see. Um on the positive side, you know, offensively, not much of a weapon, uh, fast enough and, and enough juke to the game that he'll get by somebody and get a layup. But, and maybe I just, I saw, you know, a, a rough game for him, but not, not, not real good with his hands. Like, you know, Kyrie, as much as I don't like him, he's the greatest layup shooter I've ever seen in my life. Right. Um, this guy is not that. Like, he, he kind of fumbles it when he gets to the rim. I don't know if he has little hands or what it is, but it seems like in the games I've watched, he, he can get by people, but he does, he's not a great finisher yet. And, again, it's early in the season. Maybe he gets there. Um, for sure, right now, uh, his his greatest strength is his ability to hawk the ball and put pressure on, on the point guard. Now, the game that you did see – he did have 20 points, seven rebounds, seven assists, five steals. And while his shot looks awful, it's going in at a remarkable rate. I mean, his three-point shooting this year, the guy is shooting right now, I believe, 
over 50% from three. I think he's at, yeah, he's at really? 55.6% from three this year. Now, he's not shooting a ton, but he's making yeah, about well, hey, one that's, three. That's, that's good. And by the way, I, didn't, I would not have guessed those stats. I'm not, I didn't come through the stats. I didn't even look at a stat sheet. I watched. I, we left at the William Tell timeout. I said, grab your coats. We're gonzo. Um, <laughs> and we hit the road. So maybe he scored 12 of his 20 after I left. I don't know because it took me a few minutes to limp out to my car. I don't know. Fair but enough. He, offensively, um, but he's aggressive. I'll give him that. You know, and if he's, if he, his shot does not look good. It's not pretty, but neither was Reggie's. So we'll give him a hall pass. And not everybody can have a pretty jumper. I know that. Not um, everybody's got that Brian Evans jumper. Not everybody has a pretty jumper. I'm not going to name any names, but not everybody <laughs> has one. Um, well, somebody who's got a pretty good-looking shot showed up from Northwestern is Miller Cop. What do you think of that guy? I, I hope that we we haven't seen his best yet. I, I, I remember watching him at Northwestern, not last year, but the year before, and thinking I liked him, you know. Um, I liked him as a player. Uh, I, you know, I don't know what happened last year. It looked like he kind of had a down season. I don't know. I, again, they made the tournament the year before, and I don't know Chris as a coach very well, Collins, but I don't know. Maybe the kid had a down year. He doesn't look um, – he doesn't look super athletic, which that doesn't bother me. Uh, again, that doesn't <laughs> bother me at all. Um, but I wonder if he's going to stay in the lineup. I, I could see him becoming a sixth man and Bates getting in the game. Um, I don't know how they'd shuffle things around. I think we're going to see some lineup changes coming. I, I don't know who or what. I, I'm not trying to predict that. He hasn't been great yet. Um, I think he's going to get more and more comfortable in Assembly Hall in front of our fans. And I think he'll end up having a nice season. I just saw an interview with him. He he did. Do uh, you guys realize? Or did you get? Have you seen his podcast? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny. You know what he's doing? He's knocking off what's his name from Galifianakis. Uh, Two actually, ferns. It's, I, that's not what I thought. I thought he was knocking off the guy from Barstool. The yeah, uh, no, the guy from Barstool kind of knocked off. The guy from Barstool knocked off Galifianakis. Right. Right. So, yes. Well, I think both of those shows are great. Yeah. And I thought he was I thought he was funny. He had Galloway on the one I watched. Yeah. I don't know if there's more or not, but I thought he's pretty good. I mean, I am I'm, I'm rooting for him. I you know, I think there's going to be times this year that he sticks in a big 3 when we need it and he, he seems to play hard and solid defense. Not, you know, it's not like that's his thing, but he I like him. So then let's go to his counterpart on the other wing most of the time, which is Parker Stewart. What are you seeing from Parker Stewart who on some level, I think is fairly similar, even though they're not the same size. They seem to have uh, this a similar, you know, role on the team. Miller Cop and yeah. Parker Stewart. I think you could combine. Well, I was going to say, if if Cop is what six seven, yeah, I don't know if he's a good six seven or legit six seven, or if he's a little smaller than that. And Stewart's what six four. Yep, they're the same guy to me. Um, I, I think that's where there'll be a change. One of those guys will go to the bench, and I think Bates could take that spot. Um, I, I, I just don't see a big difference between them. And, I mean, they're athletically, they're about the same. Um, offensively, they're about the same. You know, they, they need to get that quick three, you know, before the defense is set up. Neither one of them is going to create anything, uh, any offense on their own. Right. Um, 
say, yeah, there. I just think they're a lot alike. Anyway, I don't even say that's a bad thing, but they're a lot alike. All right, so I want to go back to the, that. That hits most of the newcomers. Um, I think it hits all the newcomers, truthfully. Just uh, we don't need to talk about Michael Durr just yet. Yeah, I mean, do you want to talk about Michael Durr, Brian Evans? Durr, Durr. <laughs> Which means no. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I want to go back to Trace, though, because I, I, I'm going to push back on you for something. You, okay. you, you obviously were not as impressed as many people were with his 43-point outburst because, as you said, he did not take one shot that you considered a real shot. But to quote the quote that you gave us, don't complicate winning, why should Trace take a shot if he's hitting 43 points on just layups and dunks? What should no, he do? Pass no, it up and I, take what, a step back? No, 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 no. I, I, I think you're confusing me a little bit. I, I have another pet peeve um, that plays into this. I'm happy to share. Uh, I, no, he did great. And I would say on the positive side, he is more athletic than he's been. Um, up close, I mean, he was getting off the ground quicker and higher than I think he was a year. I mean, I think he's working hard. I, I do. That's uh, the key he had a couple right there. He had a couple of nice right-hand finishes. So he didn't even have a right hand. I mean, holy Luke Skywalker. The dude had no right hand. And I, he, finished, he finished a right-handed little jump hook in, in, in a little bit of traffic, and I jumped up and clapped. Okay, so – He's trying to add that to his game. He does look more athletic. Um, and when they my, did finally double him, when they did finally double him later, yeah. like in the game, he was doing a good job finding who was open on the wing for the three. Well, great. I hope <laughs> he can do that in the Big Ten season. And I hope he has to be able to because they're going to double him. They should double him. And, you know, Dan D'Antoni, I don't know why he wasn't getting doubled the entire night. And let's see if these other fellows can stick in some jump shots. I don't understand that. And I may just be too far removed. I, I, I don't even know if I even understand the game anymore. I, I would double or triple team them and, and see if some of these guys can make shots. I'm not convinced some of them can. Um, I don't know why they would be playing straight up. Did you notice the guy that was guarding him was my age? Who was that guy on, on Marshall that was it's like a 45-year-old man on their team <laughs> that was guarding him? Yeah, yeah, he had he had some he, he looked like he'd lived some hard life. Yeah. Um but wait, yeah, what I, is what's the pet peeve you were alluding to? Okay. So my pet peeve and it always has been um I'm just going to fire a name out and just take a shot at somebody. Uh Luke Record used to drive me crazy cuz there's nobody that cheered harder for Luke Record than Luke Record. <laughs> and you guys were, I think your last year or two was his first, might, might have been his first year. You guys may have seen him as a freshman. And it's not that I didn't like him as a player. It's not that. It's, there's, I just have this problem, and part of it is that I'm a, I grew up a huge Larry Bird fan, that he always had this, like, assassin-like uh, approach where he wanted to score the first basket of the game with a guy draped all over him. And he wanted to backpedal like he was just playing in a park. And it, it, the, the message it sends is, I am going to do this to you all night long. And I love that. So I, I grew up liking that. And I, I love, my favorite players are guys that 
get twice as excited for their teammates doing something well than they do for themselves, you know? So get half as excited when you do something well than you, than you do for your teammates. And there was just a lot of like spiking the ball out of bounds and a, a few flexes and rah rying from him on his own success against really no defense where I, if I'm, if I'm Mike Woodson, I'm saying something to him about it because he's being evaluated by all these NBA guys. I mean, when you do something and you act like it's the greatest thing that ever happened, I just don't like to look. Does that make sense? And I'm maybe being too hard. That's just something that's always bothered me. And it's not an Indiana thing. Anytime I watch a game and I see guys rock, get just a little too hyped for their own success, it bothers me. I get it. I get it. There's there's two things I'll bring up. One is just that I think we all love the increased intensity of Trace on both ends of the court. And, you know, I wonder if, if yeah, maybe that could be projected more towards his roommate's success, his roommates, his teammate's success. Well, and maybe his roommates. He's roommates with a couple of the players. But what I saw on TV two different times – and one was during uh, a timeout. Jordan Geronimo obviously struggled during that oh. game. And Trace had him off to the side of the huddle. And you couldn't obviously tell exactly what he was saying. But he was clearly encouraging him and trying to build Jordan back up. And I just think we're getting indications. We're seeing things. We're hearing things that Trace as a leader is really stepping into his own this year. And to be able to watch from thousands of miles away him trying to help a younger teammate who's struggling, it seems like, with his confidence, not only shows growth from Trace, but also a trickle-down effect of what Coach Woodson is trying to do with the whole team. No, that's good. And I, I, I missed some of that. I mean, I was smashing popcorn with my son. I wasn't watching everything. You guys from TV, and again, my seats are at the other end of the court near the visit, the end of the visitor bench mm-hmm. by the tunnel there that they go in and out of. So I wasn't watching everything. That's all great, you know, leadership growth. That's, all, that's, that's great. I mean, and he needs to be doing that. I mean, you're a preseason All-American, you know, I, I just also – so the leadership thing, he needs to be doing it, whether they're asking him to or not. Is some of that should just come from, in, you know, internal. But you're also – if you're a preseason first-teamer uh, and somebody and, – and they're fronting you, you're playing Marshall and they're fronting you and we lob it over and you get a dunk, all right, you know, run to the other end. Great. You know, you're, you're preseason first-team All-American. Yeah, I, look – I think that's more of a style over substance thing that, and I, and I get it. I mean, I, I understand why that rubs some people the wrong way. All I care about is that he performs at the level that he's been performing at against big 10 competition. And if he does, then I'll deal with the antics. Right. And, uh, and, that's, and, and I, I wouldn't even, I, you know what? I wouldn't, even, I don't even mean it like, an, I wouldn't categorize it necessarily as an antic. It's just not my, it's, it's, it is, like I said, it's a pet peeve of mine. And, you know, some of that's just my thing. I, I, I just, it bothers me, but, but everybody shouldn't necessarily play the way I like them to play. Yeah, you know what? Look, there's intensity there. I just, I think there's enough intensity in assembly hall. And there's enough people cheering for you that you don't have to cheer for yourself, but that's just me. Yeah. I, I get it intellectually. I think, 
none of us are in any player's mind. Larry Bird didn't need to do that stuff to get himself at that, you know, that that incredible intensity. You didn't, obviously. He might. Like, he just might. Uh, and again, if I was more annoyed by it last year when it would happen when, like, it would happen every other, you know, once every four games where he would put up a really good game. Like if he's going to be the leader and score 20 and get 10 a game, you know, and you need to do that to get intense, go for it. I'm not going to, but I get it. I, I mean, I do get it. I got a what? question. They, they announced him in the starting lineup as a sophomore. What? Yeah. Man, because... I, nobody loves hearing Chuck Crabb say the word sophomore more than I do, <laughs> but why would he, why would he be a sophomore? Because he's a sophomore in eligibility because everybody last year got a free COVID year. So last well, I know year, that everybody did, but they didn't announce everybody like that necessarily. I just wonder what, you know, why they would, is he intent, unless he's intending to come back, why wouldn't you call him a junior? Yeah, I don't call know. Him a senior and then call him a COVID senior or, or whatever you want to call it then. I don't know why you'd call him a sophomore now. Are you, the NCAA is ruining all the record books and I'm never going to forgive them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I don't get the extra COVID year, to be honest with you. They played they, a full season. It's bullshit. Yeah, they played a full season. They missed the tournament in the year before. So they missed right. one team missed six games or whatever it is, or two teams right. missed six yeah. games. But 330 teams missed three games or less, or 350 teams missed three games right. or less. And then last year, they just – cut off a couple games, but they played a full season. They played a full Big Ten season. I agree. I don't like the COVID year. That's BS. Hey, hold on. No, if Bo Hannon's the all-time leading three-pointer in the Big Ten. Yeah. I, I mean, come on, man. Luca Garza, thank God, I love saying his name, but if he were to come back, he, he goes down as the greatest, statistically the greatest player in the history of the Big Ten. Guys, that's just, you know, that's ruining this for I've really become more of a volleyball fan anyway, lately with my daughter's plan. And sure. the NCAA is ruining basketball. And uh, let's move on to more players. Let's talk about somebody. I, I have a couple guys that got under my skin. I don't want to call them out. You're going to have to pull it out of me. Okay. All right. Well, Christian. I think I think you – okay, yeah, great. Go for that. Christian Lander. Oh, God, you read my mind. So, um, look, Christian's a weird one for a lot of reasons. But what, what, what are you seeing with Christian this year? All right. Just because I don't believe anybody listens to your show, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some stuff here. That, cause I, I wouldn't want this to be broadcast, you know, because like I, I, I want him to become a good player, right? And I don't want to be, you know, yeah. docket sounding. Well, sure, your, your secret just, is safe with us. <laughs> I just don't want it. And thankfully, nobody is listening. So. I feel bad for him. Number one, I, I'm not going to attack this kid. I, he he seems like a nice kid. I've never met him, but he, you know, he carries himself. He he doesn't come off wrong. You know, like he's some arrogant kid. I I, I feel like he didn't. Archie and them, the staff didn't do him any justice. I mean, for them to encourage him to come and sit on the bench and not play his senior year is a travesty. I I don't understand the skip your senior year thing in the first place and then when it happens and a guy like that did it it, it it's sad because he needed to be in, in high school and this needs to be his freshman year and then I would I would feel like I could get on him a little bit more for playing the way he played 
because it would be, you know, oh, he's a freshman. But this is not good, guys. He's not looking good. And he looks he's not very aggressive and I can't I can't handle the ponytail on top of the head. That bothers me. The appearance thing is a thing for me. I've noticed it about myself. I don't like I notice it when I watch football too. I don't like the I don't like the long hair. I got a lot of Coach Knight in me, it turns out. You really do. You really the old, and yeah. I feel like the older you get, the more you're getting it. Yes, I agree. I'm getting crustier and angrier as I go. Well, okay, I think somebody, both you and Coach Knight, probably can appreciate his game, his attitude, is Race yeah. Thompson, the guy Are who we, never we done with Lander. Yeah, sure. No, no, we're not done. Hold <sighs> on. Um, this is this sucks to say, but I sent this in a text to Dane Fife. By the way, I know you guys love Dane. He has not replied to me, which is not like him. Ooh. Um, I sent him this text. Let me see if I can read this aloud. We're buddies. I, you know, I can give him some some hell. I I sent him a text yesterday afternoon. I said, "Hey, I saw my first game in person last night. I tried to flag you down. You didn't see me." And then I said, "Takeaways." Little asterisk. Pre-game half-court shots irritated me. <laughs> Practice actual shots. Ain't no Steph Curry's amongst us. <laughs> then I new asterisk lander dot 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 omg can he go back to evansville and reclaim his senior year <sighs> he was this is mean i, I realize I, this is meant to kind of be funny to dane who's a buddy and, and so i probably shouldn't be reading it to you guys but <laughs> Too he late. was out there instead of reading what i said because i was still trying to make him laugh um he was out trying to shoot. Like they'd go in the locker room at the like eight or ten minute mark for the last time, and everybody runs in. I think one other guy was trying to make his last shot, and I don't remember who that was. But I had locked in on Lander, and he was in front of me, and he was shooting from maybe twenty five feet, and not, you know, not looking real good, right? And there's two or three managers rebounding and throw back out to him, and he's miss, miss. And I know that he watches Steph Curry, but you're not Steph Curry. Like, Steph Curry can stay in a half court and just make it and go in the locker room. So he's, like, trying to do that. He's shooting from way too deep. He keeps on missing. And the crowd, as sparse as it was, is starting to feel it. Like, I could feel it. Like, everybody was watching going, gosh, I hope this kid can make a three and just go to the locker room. And he keeps on shooting. He can't make it. Now the managers are not – they're, like – they're wanting to pull the plug on him. Then they want to fire the ball back to him. And they're like, why are we working for this guy? He can't make the shot. And now that you got the whole crowd kind of rooting for him, it got really uncomfortable. I was feeling, I was humiliated for him. Could not make a three. Now I, I started thinking the, the team and the coaching staff's got to wonder where he is. It's, that's how long it took. I was just, it was, it was awful. And so I put that in there. And then my last asterisk was your suit looked a little bit too snug. You must have had a good Thanksgiving. <laughs> but no response. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, look, record, Christian, you, you put it out there that, hey, I know you guys like Dane Fife and you're friends with him. N none of that's true if anybody's listening. <laughs> okay, good. Um, look, I, the Christian thing – 
I think that the last staff did him no favors, as you said. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's still figuring out a way to he he is a a young kid who was the star of every team that he was ever on and considered yeah. the best player on the court that he was ever on. And he didn't play basically at all last year. And this yeah. year, he's given a few minutes here and there. And I think he is just figuring out how to be this role on the team. And there have been some flashes of good things. And there's been some flashes of really bad stuff too. And I think he's just figuring it out. I I don't know, especially as we start entering into the Big Ten portion of the season, I just don't yeah. know how he's going to get enough time to figure it out this year. Well, I, I think you I think you're spot on, and that's my fear too. So let me say too, I mean, I poked a little bit of fun, but I'm rooting for him, and I want you know I, I want them all to be good players. I think in his case, what you said about always being the best player on the court and everything is probably really true. And wow, um, that's a tough transition to make. And you could, I, what I what I see when I see him is they're trying to get him to be a point guard, teach him to be a point guard. And I, it, he, to me, looks like a guy that anytime he had the ball in his hand, it was like, almost like Kobe, exhaust every option to put the ball in the hole. And you, t- you take a big enough jump in talent, right, from where he was in high school to where he is now, he's not that good to be that guy. You know, he, he's not going to be that guy. And it's like Joe Hillman. Joe Hillman scored 44 points a game in high school, but when he came to IU, he's like, here's how I'm going to play. I'm going to get the ball to people that can score. I'm going to nestle into that, that position where I distribute the ball, and I'm just rock solid. I see a kid that – Michael Lewis, too. Is, it's, yeah, still yeah, – great, good call. More recent. That's a, that's a perfect call, example. And, and he just figured that out. You know, I'm going to stick in the occasional shot. If anybody falls back off me or goes under a screen, I know I can score. I'm not afraid to score. I, I have courage. Um, he, you know what? That's a great way. He needs to watch a ton of film of Michael Lewis is what he needs to do soon. Or I see him being a guy that is completely out of the rotation – you know, two games into the Big Ten season. And then, you know, then it's probably time to go. It's probably, you know, hey, it's time to find a new home and find a place that I, you know, maybe he can be that player again. Maybe that's a Missouri Valley level. He's not going to – I just don't see enough skill set to be a scorer at the one spot in the Big Ten. I just don't at his size. For both of our listeners, please don't tell Christian what you just heard. <laughs> well, who am I? He doesn't know who the hell I am. It's just some fat old fat guy on the radio. <laughs> what about um, race? What about race, the guy that race? Race. We want positive news, right? Because you get, can't say anything bad about race, right? Well, uh oh. <laughs> No, and here's the problem. I've had a million people, like I've had a lot of people, and a guy that I really admire and, and believe in, a guy named Joe McDuffie. If you're an IU fan, you should know who Joe McDuffie is. And if you don't know, I'm not going to be the one that tells you. You can go do some research. You're good at that. Um, Joe McDuffie's he may be 90 years old now, but he's been watching IU Hoops for a million years. He told a mutual friend of mine, he goes, when you talk to Brian, tell him, you know, he's going to be blown away by, by Thompson. And I said, is that one of the new guys? And he goes, no, Race Thompson. I said, oh, what about him? 
I mean, it's like, I'm familiar with him. Yeah, what, what's he going to do? And he said, oh, he's just a whole new player, reinvented himself. And I, and I was like, oh, okay. I haven't seen that. You know, 10 and 9, 11 and 7, I like him, okay? He reminds me of, yeah, little Daryl, I'm going to go way back. Got kids, I guys I watched growing up, Daryl Thomas, or he's just, yes. he's just, you like him. You know he's got a good attitude. He plays hard. I mean, he, he's a guy I would I'd like to see stay on the team and exhaust all his eligibility. So I don't I, – I just – there was a little bit of hype from several people that I believe in as as basketball guys. I haven't seen anything crazy yet. I mean, may, maybe he, he did make a big leap. I, I just haven't seen it yet. I, I To me, I more set him up in that way of that he's just a solid glue guy who does the dirty yeah. work, knows what's going on out there, can really yeah. calm the team down. If he's out and they, you know, they they give up 10 points in a row, he comes out there and immediately seems to just have a calming presence. But no, I mean, I, he's hit a few outside shots this year that he hadn't hit before. But other than that, I don't think we, we see evidence of a great leap in his game. No, and you know what's fair is, is a guy like him. I think he could have gotten spot minutes and, and decent minutes on really good IU teams um, because of that blue collar nature. You know, he's not trying to. It's almost like he reluctantly takes a, a jump shot. You know, he, he at least when I watch him, and I mean this in a positive way, he goes out and plays and plays hard and does what he can do. He doesn't. You don't catch him trying to do things he can't do. That drives me crazy. He doesn't do that stuff. He's a, a really solid player, and I think, yeah, I could see him out there just you know, setting screens in a Bob Knight offense, just trying to get other guys open. And, and by doing that, he's going to get a, every game two or three slips to the basket for layups. He's, I love his effort block shots. I mean, I, I really like him as a player. So I, I don't have anything bad to say. I did. I, a couple people built up like I was going to see him take this quantum leap that I, and maybe he has I just haven't seen it I, I think that th there was this whole narrative that Archie didn't let him shoot from the outside and he could be a pick and pop guy and Woody's gonna no. let him do it and Woody's telling him to shoot it and shoot it and shoot it well the truth is Race Thompson just isn't a very good three-point shooter he can make them every once in a while but he's not gonna take three a game and shoot 40 percent for the year from three it's just not his game what impresses me about race all the things you said is I just think Race is a guy who, if you look at his career so far, he's gotten better incrementally yeah. everywhere each year, a little yeah. bit each year, which is what you want from most college basketball players. And, yeah. no, and that's fan. impressive. I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I like him. And he is, you, whichever one of you guys call him a glue guy, I mean, that's a perfect description. All right. Jordan Geronimo. Whew. Well, I, I'm – I may have seen him have a nervous breakdown the other night. So I, <laughs> I'm probably not the best game to, to go off of because I think he does have athleticism and some some you know good energy and positive energy. I, I really I think I saw him have a a breakdown. So not his not his best performance. But he, again, is a guy that's got a lot of length and and he should be looking at and um, trying to trying to get race to take him under his wing you know he could become race thompson with maybe a little more athleticism mm. 
Yeah, def- definitely more athleticism. And, you know, what What game was it? Uh, the St. John's game where he came in for a stretch, hit a three-pointer, um, had uh, another jump shot. He, he kind of uh, saved the game in his moment. So I feel mm-hmm. like there's there's a lot of pieces to him that certainly haven't come together yet. But I, I would think he could – he could go yeah. beyond race in in almost every category yeah. before his time's done. Well, that would be that would be great. I mean, and since he has like six years to do it, thanks to the NCAA, <laughs> I mean, he's got plenty of time. Um, you know, he's, I yeah, I, I saw some flashes for sure. The guy's got ability. I mean, there's there's no doubt. And he's got he's got the frame and the athleticism. He had uh, he he just really lost his composure and the other night i mean almost it was embarrassing i don't know what they showed on tv but it was like he was almost pounding and stomping his feet and it was not it was not a good look and i i'm, I'm sure that's the, the timeout that you're referring to that that trace pulled him to the side which is he needed it and that, that again that makes me nervous because we're playing cupcakes i mean what's going to happen in the big 10 if, if we get you know you have a nervous breakdown against against marshall I'm with you. I actually think, you know, we talked a little bit about the emotion that the trace plays with or, or displays after something goes, goes well. I, I think where, where traces production is fairly consistent right now, and he's performing at a pretty high level. Jordan is a guy who, who plays with that emotion and shows that emotion after everything. And I think uh-huh. it swallows him up. I think yeah. he, he's a guy who, he gets lost in that emotion and then gets lost in just doing the simple things going back to the quote, don't complicate winning like Jordan, you're six foot six, six foot seven. You're a beast. You can jump out of the gym, just play solid defense and go rebound the basketball. Like if there, you go. And I, if I, and I, there you go. I'm with you on that. If I'm coaching, if I'm, if I'm coach Woodson, I'm that's what I'm saying to him. Like, Hey, go, go make a play. And maybe you let him ride his emotion and encourage it a little bit. Like he, he, to me, he's a guy, at least in his sophomore season, his first sophomore season, he's a guy that he could come in and give us 15 to 20 really good minutes. And just like, if he comes in and makes a block and he gets comfy, you know, and he feels good. And I could see him having a great road game and maybe even a hostile environment, almost like he's, that's not the issue for him. It's, it's more internal he's not intimidated by where he is or who he's playing, but then he may have a game where you, you put him in there and he makes a bonehead play and you just go, you know what? Yeah. Tonight's not his night. And you get him out of there. Right. Yeah. He does seem to let things snowball one way or the other. Yeah. There you go. So I, I feel like most of the other players are, are injured. You know, I, I would like to jump to wait, wait, can we do one more? Sure. Okay. One more. I want to do fantasy. Do you? Yeah, I do. Because okay. I know he's been injured the last couple games. But what did you see? Did you see anything different from Rob the first few games of this year compared to what we've seen for basically three years now? Man, yeah, I, I saw him shoot 17 times. And it, I, I tried to get back my tickets. Um, <laughs> the first game he shot 17 times. He shot a few step back threes. I, I wanted to phone a friend and go, hey, somebody, tell him that he's open for a reason. You're open. Not everyone. There, I used to have to get open. 
open for a reason. Coach used to say it to people. Hey, you're open for a reason. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean you're supposed to shoot. <laughs> I don't know. I could I could go off. I'll just go easy and leave it at that. But, um, you know, then I read, you know, that Woody's really encouraged him to shoot. And, you know, when I read that, it encourages me some because he's watching him. He's spending a lot of time with him. If he right. couldn't shoot it, I would like to think that our coach wouldn't encourage him to shoot. Right. So right. I, I'm trying to be optimistic. I promise. And I did, and I'm reading some of the articles. I, you know, I'm not doing what you guys are doing, but I'm, I get a little happy medium here. I'm reading the quotes and he, you know, all, all summer encouraging him to shoot after the Bahama encouraging him to shoot. I'm thinking, why are you doing that? <laughs> uh, but he, you know, and there's this other phenomenon, and I'm not naming any names, but there are other guys. We call them. I, I we touched on this on my my first time on with you guys. These uh, summertime All Americans, right? You know, or first session All American. You know, summer school. We got first session guys. We got second session guys that just are unbelievable. When you when you play in the summer, there's Gar always. He didn't want the the light bill to be too high, so we would play with maybe 60% of the lights on in assembly hall. And that was still enough to play. Um, and we used to joke that, you know, when the lights get real bright, some guys can't, can't take the, you know, the stage. I, I wonder if maybe that's him, you know, where in the summertime he shoots it really, really well. And so therefore they're encouraging him. I, I don't know. He may just be one of those guys that when the lights get real bright, he's not going to shoot it real well from outside. I don't know. I feel like Coach Woodson showed up, realized he didn't necessarily have a lot of shooting he could count on, and basically told everybody, shoot till your heart's content, shoot all the time, shoot, 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 shoot. Until and I tell right, you to stop, right. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and now he'll start, like, reining them in. Okay, now now these games are going to start to get yeah. real. You stop, you keep going, et cetera. Um, Trey Galloway's hurt, so he's not really going to help us one way or another for a while. Logan Duncan uh, messed around, got himself suspended for three games, so we really don't have a sample size there. What I want to to know. By the way, but can you bet? I'm going to interrupt you, Ward. By the way, I think that synopsis of the shoot I, that you may be spot on, and that that would be a that would make sense to me. Could you before you jump into the next? What, what, sure. And I'm happy to talk about Galloway because I would like to. But okay, what sure. about um? What happened to Duncan? What did he do? Um. Well, I don't think uh that's for word is is it, it no screw it. We can say what we heard. Well, that he he got into a little kerfuffle with uh, some drunk frat guy. And it took a little while, but the university um, said, hey, you can't play for three games. Huh. When you, so watch you, out for those frat guys, man. Those frat guys, I, you know, I thought maybe his, like his T-shirt sales were down or something, and they just decided to suspend him like he had a quota that he had to hit. <laughs> well, when there's the three-game suspension, everybody, myself included, automatically thinks, oh, he got tested for the wacky tobacco. Um, so I think it's actually a bit of an exoneration that what we heard was that some drunk frat guy got upset that a lady was talking to Logan and that really Logan was a bit of a, a 
would have been a victim in in this situation except that he's like six nine with seven foot four wingspan and just kind of cleared this gentleman from his personal space and as a result that that dude um went and told mommy and daddy in the university and now logan can't get some good run when he needs it before the competition gets really tough and he probably can't see floor time I mean, hey, jealous frat guys are they're a real thing down there. I mean, they're it's real. They're everywhere. Did you experience jealous frat guys in your time in Bloomington? Sure. Sure. Did you I ever mean, have still to never throw a punch? I've never thrown a punch at anybody, so in your life? You know, no. Not yet. I want to. I just haven't yet. <laughs> if you had to pick one former teammate besides me. I was going to say, would like to knock out one guy on this podcast. You would like to knock out yeah. <laughs> one kidding. former teammate. Get you get one swing at. Who would it be? I get a swing at a teammate. Mm-hmm. Or an opponent. No, I don't. I love my teammates. I'm not swinging anybody. An opponent. An opponent. Yeah, preferably Big Ten. Glenn Secunda. I do not remember Glenn Secunda. Could you tell us about him? Sure. Uh, he went to Syracuse for a couple of years. He's from upstate New York. He transferred to Penn State, played his last couple of years at Penn State. And they I don't know if you guys remember this, but my last year, uh, they were they got up to like sixth or seventh ranked in the country. Do you remember Is that, that when they, they had like, a uh, You know what? My last year, he was gone. Okay. But they had some guys. I mean, they had Danny Earl. I mean, they had they actually had some guys. Secunda was their leading scorer. He was a six eight guy. He was actually a pretty good player, um, but he, uh, I had no pro- I didn't have a problem with him his junior year. No problems. We I, we guard each other a little bit. Uh, our last year, and he, he sat out. So we were both fifth year seniors, and he, uh, we played him there early in the Big Ten, and they were undefeated. I mean, they were ranked like like I said, you can look it up, fifth or sixth in the country, and they beat us. In, in Penn State, which, you know, that's still like a low moment in my life, <laughs> just to lose to Penn State on the road. Like, I was ashamed. You know, I was a senior captain, and just that just felt bad to me. And we lost there, and Coach just wanted to kill us himself. It was horrible. And uh, <laughs> that jackass, Secunda, ran his mouth a bunch of – I mean a bunch – about beating Indiana and blah, 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 blah. And they still had to come fly us in Assembly Hall. And I just was, I mean, I was as on fire and emotional in a game as you could ever catch me. Cause, and it was all because of that. I just thought, the nerve of this guy, what a dumbass. Like, you're going to run your mouth. It's different if you already played us in Bloomington and then beat us at your place. But you just don't do that. You don't talk smack before you come and, you know, and we're matched up against each other. And I just thought, I'm going to annihilate this idiot. And I and then I did. <laughs> you did. And by the way, you won 72 to 54 in that game. Yeah, and the lead was much bigger. And I, I think I spent like eight of the last 10 minutes on the bench in the game. Um, if you wanted to, you could Google and, and you'll know that I had more adrenaline going through, coursing through my veins than I ever had. Because you're going to be, if you look hard enough, you're going to find I had a reverse dunk in that game. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! 
Evan I'll send it to you. Hey, it's on my phone. I'll no. send it to you. Don't go hunting for it. I've got it. I've got it on standby. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, uh, all right. Yeah. Well, let's. Anyway. You, what did you want to say about Trey Galloway? Man, I want him to be a good player. I want him to be a good player. Um, I don't know. I I think he's got qualities that I like. I see, I, even in that interview or that podcast, I think he's a really likable guy. Yeah. I, I, I just, I watch the interaction amongst teammates. I think he's really well-liked amongst his, his peers, which is just important. Not everybody is. Um, he's got a, a little sneaky athleticism. He kind of reminds me of Pat Graham without the jump shot. Mm. Um, it's kind of but a weird, man, kind Pat of a Graham weird was, comparison. Pat Graham was really good. I, I mean, like size-wise, athleticism. Pat was a better athlete than you think. Um, well, for the injuries, for sure. Right, and, and that's why they remind. I mean, very similar build. I think pretty cerebral, like really understand the game. Pat wasn't a coach's son, but he kind of was. Man, that his dad was around the game. I, I think Pat learned the game at a really young age. They just remind me. It, it, maybe it's just the size the most. Um, but man, his shot does, he, he's, he's, he, and then he broke his wrist. I was like, oh shit, <laughs> his, his shot's not going to be the first thing that comes back after the wrist injury. Well, but he's just, a, he's mean, a guy that I just, I like the way he plays. I, I, I knew his old man just a little bit, met him when he was the coach at Carmel. He's just a guy that I would love to see have a good career. Well, what? One guy we haven't even mentioned in passing yet, but a lot of people really want to see become a contributor, even if not that much this year in his IU career. Do you see a, a path forward for Anthony Leal contributing to this program? You know, I haven't, I haven't seen him. And just to be fair, I haven't seen him play enough. I, you know, he, when I was at the game, just to see him in person, he's bigger than I thought he was. You know, he's got stronger. He's, he's. You could tell he's working hard. He's. You could tell he had a good summer. You know, like he, he got a great strength and conditioning coach and team and all that kind of stuff. He looks to me like he's really taking advantage of that stuff or those opportunities. Um, but even in the layup line, I was. I mean, I, I I got there with 40 minutes on the clock before the game. I wanted to watch these guys warm up, and. He did. He caught my eye a little bit. He was, he was more athletic than I thought. And I, I thought maybe athletically last year when I watched him, I was like, oh, he's not quick enough. Defensively, he was just getting torched last year anytime right. he got in the game. And so I thought maybe he just didn't have any foot speed. I don't think it's that. You know, it may just be that, you know, you're a freshman and there's an adjustment period. I do think there's there's reason to hold out hope that he could blossom and become a, a, a nice contributor, not just get some minutes i think he can make a shot you know yeah I, I see a I see a little bit of moxie i mean they got, all got so confused last year i mean it was a disaster that last half of the season was so bad mm-hmm. no one had any confidence at all i they had as they they were as likely to kick the ball in from three-pointer than to shoot it in <laughs> so i mean it's, it was just awful so i i think everyone lost confidence you touched on that earlier i think as a, as a really young guy, that was probably just a tough season. I, I, I do. I think he has a chance to be a good player. All right. So that's the players. Here's what I want to know. Have you, um, have you had any conversations with Woody? 
No, zero. Is that something that bothers you? No, not at all. It's not something where you feel like like uh, that he should have reached out or or whatever. No. You don't you don't feel any. Uh, no. Okay. Not not at all, really. I mean, not at all. I mean, hundred percent. I'm I'm behind him to. I, I just want this to work out and him to to do a good job. I'm I'm not in tune with the the twenty year old guys, right? I, I I don't know what that balance is in terms of. Um, how much do you have to stroke their egos and, and, and be their buddy and, you know, relate to them and text them. And I, I don't know what the right balance is. I'm sure it's not the same across the board. I mean, he's going to have his own style. I trust that he has it, you know, and that, that what he does. I've said this all along. I, I don't know why this is a high paying job, man. It's a, it's a pressure cooker. It's a, it's a hot seat. And you know, we watched that. We watched this job swallow Coach Crean, who was a good guy. It swallowed him up, and it got tough. And and I I think it got Archie pretty quick. Yeah. And so, you know, on his to do list of of things he needs to get accomplished, calling and shooting this shit with me is not on the list at all. And nor should it be. Uh, I I didn't really know him. You know, I, he, he doesn't need my involvement or participation or input to do what he needs to go do at all. And so um, I'm just rooting like crazy that he that he has the formula to get it done. Um, Here's here's what I wanted to get through as we we're getting through the players is uh, Brian Evans is watching Mike Woodson's Indiana Hoosiers uh, on the offense and on the defense. Uh, what what would you uh, say you've seen through these games? Like, I, I'm just curious the way you watch the game, what you're yeah. seeing in terms of what he's trying to put in schematically, systematically on each end. You know, what what have you seen so far? Where do you think it's going? You know, I I'm not. Re- I'm gonna I'm gonna answer by saying I'm not really ready to answer that. I want to I want to watch. You know, I, I don't okay. want to. That's not something I want to jump to a conclusion yet. Um, they do different. I mean, keep in mind, we, we ran – ultimately, we ran the same play every time down the court for five years of me being in Bloomington. <laughs> you know? Right. That's, that's weird. <laughs> that's not normal. And so I didn't expect uh, Mike to come in and, and run motion, right? I didn't, I didn't think that was coming. Um, Marshall, you know, here I was in person, throw that game out the window because all that was was, you know, Trace, get somebody on your back and, and, you know, put your hand up for the ball. And that was the right thing to do in that game was just keep, you know, Chuck Daly, who I played for for a short period of time in Orlando, he was great at that. He was a, he was a veteran coach, and his whole thing was, hey, you got somebody in the torture chamber, you know, just keep throwing it down there to them. If they can't do anything to stop it, we're going to keep doing it. And that's what, and Woody's got that old school NBA mentality. And so it got a little boring to watch, I think, as a, as a fan, but it was still, it was working, you know? So he, I think he did the right thing. Just keep punching it in there. And it was amazing that, that Marshall didn't do anything different the whole game. It was, I mean, maybe he doubled him once or twice at the end, but for goodness sakes, I don't know what he was waiting on. Um, I mean, he's got a team. I think early on, it's it's the, the little um, lapses. You know, it's a young team, and he, and he hasn't gotten that through to him yet. He's 
guarantee they're talking about. It. I mean, these guys are guarantee you he's breaking down film and showing them fall asleep defensively. I mean, we were not good in that game the other night defensively at all. The only the only guy that was any good was Xavier, just hawking the ball. And when we made that run, uh, he changed the game. I mean, he's the one that changed the game. I mean, they couldn't contain Trace the whole time, but the guy that had the you know, fingerprints on the game was Xavier changed it by the way he pressured the other team. And he just, he turned into a force. Like he was pushing the ball. He was stealing the ball and he was, and he was trying to break them down, you know, defensively with the ball. He's the guy. Um, I don't know. I, he's got to get everybody playing like that. I, I saw trace fell asleep a bunch defensively and the ball got behind him, which is, is crazy. These, those guys weren't shooting the ball well. How the ball kept getting behind race and trace for alley oops and dunks. I mean, that was that guys. That was a disaster. How so, many times they got the ball at the rim and alley oops when they weren't shooting at all from three. It was it, it was not good. It was not a good defensive game outside of Xavier. It it was not. I do want to throw something out to you that I that I was told, and see if it rings true for you and what you think about this. So apparently the IU defense and the way that coach Woodson once it played and, and granted this is a lot coming from the NBA as I'm sure you'll hear in a second here, but obviously there is a laser focus on ball screen coverage. What do we do on ball screens? And there's all kinds of different ways to attack the ball screens defensively, depending on who's setting the screen, what part of the court it is, blah, blah, blah. But the basic philosophy of a Mike Woodson defense is if your guy, you want to force the player that you're guarding to use the ball screen. The thing that they do not want is a guy rejecting the ball screen. They, they want you as a defensive player, force him into it because that's when we get into our coverages and our switches, if we need to, and our recoveries and our rotations and all that. And what was happening at the beginning of this game, especially in the first half, was that the Marshall guards were rejecting the ball screen over and over again, and our guards were allowing that to happen. And once that happened, then everything kind of fell apart. And it was, what I heard, was Trace, who kind of saw that on the court and stepped up at timeouts, especially later in the half, and, and like got into guards, stop letting them reject the ball screen, force them into it. i got to be honest it. with you. I, this sounds... Like you, like you've heard, you know this. Like it, it sounds real. I don't. I, I gotta admit, I don't know what you mean when you say rejecting the, rejecting the ball screen. What does that mean? That instead of using it, that instead of the guard, you know, going around it, yeah. that the guard would simply pivot and quickly go the other way, which would throw Indiana into. Uh, chaos, truthfully. Right. Where what Indiana wants is he wants the guy to go around the screen because that's where we have the big stepping out or hedging a little or whatever the coverage that needs to happen. That's where our whole defense is set to do. Now, you can easily ask, well, shouldn't we have a plan if they do reject it? Of course. But that the strength of our defense is set up for the guy to use the screen to think that they're getting their playoff, but we're ready for it. Yeah, I, you know, that's that's schematically. I I don't, you know, we we didn't do the ball screen has changed the game. I mean, it, it 
you see right. it so much now, and it was, you realize, I mean, there may have been a few ball screens. I'm sure there were some, you know, that we played against. But if you ran towards the ball, uh, offensively, if, if, if you ran towards the ball to set a screen for whoever had the ball, you are gonzo. You're on the bench so fast. Yeah. You're always – Everything was screen away, screen away, screen away. That's, that's what I was taught, today. right? Because the, the Bob Knight way of basketball was yeah. if you bring a guy to the ball, you are bringing an extra defender to the ball. Right. Right? Like, why and would you so want to do that? Again, it, it's different. And so you want to, you know, I, I, I get it, I guess, that you'd want to – well, I mean – we, we used to have a thing we want to drive that we want to shade the ball to the baseline. So if I'm, I'm guarding the wing, a guy's got the ball in the three point line at the wing. We wanted to keep the ball out of the middle of the court. Coach thought there's more options for the guy with the ball to do. If he was getting to the middle of the floor, more options to pass. And, and I, I have to agree with that. And we always wanted to, we could send help on the baseline. So we would, we wanted to shade people to the baseline borderline force them to the baseline. So what happens when you shade somebody somewhere, right, versus force somebody somewhere, there's a difference. And I think that's what we're talking about here, is if if the guy with the ball can tell that we want him to go to the screen, he wants right. to go. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. If totally. The first thing is not go there. So if I'm setting up defensively on the wing, trying to send Michael Finley to the baseline, which is a dicey proposition, because he <laughs> could just go all the way to the rim and and crank one back on me, that happened. That that footage is out if you want to go look for it. Yeah, I bet um, I bet you don't have that one at the ready. Thing. I mean, shading versus forcing. Right. <laughs> it's, it's out there. But you, As, you know uh, what I'm saying? It, I do. It, if, if I'm if I'm shading him, and listen to this. If I'm shading him that way, because he, he may think I'm I'm kind I'm I'm leading him there. But if I'm if I'm giving him the baseline, that's way different. And I think that's what we're talking about. We're just probably a little too obvious with what we want them to do. Oh, that that could be fair. Okay. Um, as a fan and someone who grew up in the game, do you just personally hate? the pick and roll basketball that, that it has become? No, I, no, I don't, I, I don't hate it. Um, I would have liked to have played some of that, you know, like I felt like I could handle the ball and, and pass the ball and make good decisions with the ball. And thought I was, you know, at my height and wingspan, you know, felt like I could, if I, if I had the ball in the wing, for example, the right wing free throw line extended, I got the ball in my left hand. Right, and I got a screen that somebody at the elbow coming out to set a ball screen. Man, I would have loved that. You yeah. know, send Lindemann to me, and you know he's a big body, and I could you know shoulder to shoulder, I, you know create some space. I could get to that elbow for a shot to the rim, but then somebody big like him slipping that screen or or rolling to the basket. I mean, just like a you know a, a kind of a jump hook pass. I love that. Um, it was just not something coach, he wasn't having that. So I, I would have liked to have tried to play in a pick and roll. And, and then in the NBA, at least 
for me, when I got drafted there, I was playing with Penny Hardaway, and <clears throat> they weren't they weren't giving the ball to the to the slow rookie three man uh, to run pick and rolls. Right. I, we may and have asked why, you this, and that's why we didn't win the championship. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody knows that that watches the game. Um, we may have asked you this before, but if you back in, if you could look back at your uh, teammates at Indiana. If you were in a fight, you and one teammate against two of the toughest SOBs out there, a real fight. Warden Eric. Who, who would you want as your teammate in that fight? Who do you want as your tag team partner? Uh, it's not even close. It's a, it's a no-brainer decision. Now, I would still – can I pick out the two guys to fight? Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go for guys that can't fight. Okay. Okay. So I'm not I'm not going after anybody after Jamie Fike or anybody like that. Okay. We're gonna go after two guys that can't fight, but I would go and hide behind Sharon Wilkerson. Yes. Mm. Yes. I love that. I love that. Okay. Tough. Well, dude. He's a professional boxer, you guys. I mean, try not to get hit. Have you seen my face? I mean, it's. Pretty good-looking guy. I don't want to get hit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you have gotten down uh, to a game. You now have season tickets. Uh, it's been uh, quite a few months since IU hired one of its own back to lead its program. Uh, you you have a a very successful revolutionary sleep product with a, a fellow IU basketball player alum, you've got a feel of what it's like around the program and the former players, uh, the mood in Bloomington and Indianapolis, which we know is a huge base of both fans, alum, mm -hmm. former players. Do you feel good as an IU fan and former player? Do you feel the vibe is really significantly different than what it has been the last 20 years? Um, not, not, you know, I want to be careful with that because, you know, I don't want this to come off the wrong way. Not yet. You know, I mean, I, okay. here's what I do feel. I feel the hype um, leading into the season, right? So the anticipation was far greater, far different. So, yes, on that, yes, going into the season, it's different. People are excited. The chat rooms are busy, all that kind of stuff. Um, way more people approaching me saying, Hey, what do you think of Woody? What do you, think? you know, that's, that's, a, that is a big deal. So I don't want to downplay okay. that. I think that's huge. We, we need, uh, we need all that. We, we need to feel some momentum, right? Um, I went to a game. I, yeah, I bought season tickets. I go to the game and the place was half empty. Mm. I, it was Thanksgiving break. We're playing sisters of the poor and <laughs> all that stuff. Right. So yep. I, I'm factor, I'm factoring it in. So, at the game, I didn't feel it necessarily. Um, oh, can I say one? Other, let me. I got one. Other, I want to bitch about something. Please. Um, have you guys been to a game yet this year? You haven't, have you? Yes. You have. What'd you go to? The first uh, game, Eastern. Oh, you Michigan. did. Okay. Okay. So you know what I did not like was the like I, the sounds and the smells and I, the assembly hall. I love it so much, right? And the band. Uh, I did not, and I got, again, I got there 40 minutes before the game. I mean, I, I was like at some crazy rap concert and I hated it. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like, uh, who is that? What song was that? Hold on one second. I got to tell you what the song was. But you know, what the F, bro? Uh, I'm coming at you like a buffalo. Knock your head off. You know what I'm talking about? No. Uh, There's this horrible rap song. Keep rapping. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, It's like, what the F, bro? Over and over, he keeps on saying, what the F, bro? Um, I think it's a Lil Wayne song. Yes, yes. Um, Yeah. So they're playing that really, really loud. Like, Scotty D invested in a new sound system, I think. I mean, it was, like, loud, loud. And they've cut the the word out, but you everyone over the age of four knows what the f bomb was getting dropped in the song, and you actually hear the f, and then it's bleeped, and I, I just thought it sucked. I, I you know I, I thought I, I'm there with my kids. I just didn't like it. My my girls they've heard that song. I can't you know I'm not trying to be that parental control and not let. I mean I'm there with my kid. I, I'm looking around going. I wonder how many people are kind of mildly or moderately offended by this. I thought it sucked. It's just too much. And then the band's playing, and I love the sound of that. Like, those, the songs they're playing before the game just really take me back. I love I loved the warm-up with our band going. And there was times where they were playing, and then some shitty rap song, loud as hell, drowns them out. And I, and I, I mean, it's actually something I'd like to – complain about to somebody like and I, i'm gonna go to i want to go to two or three more games before i do it i don't i don't want to be that guy that goes to a game and starts wanting changes um but i'm just wondering what you thought of that it, it, i just thought it was abrasive and loud I, i'll be honest i did not notice rap music i mean we were just so happy to be there <laughs> and hold on hold on let me back up i don't forget rap it was just like some of it was like just kind of pop culture loud but lots of language. Well, look, it surprised me in assembly hall that they'd be doing that. I, I will agree with you. I don't like the bad language. I, I mean, I remember, was it two years ago where uh, maybe against Purdue, the fans were chanting F you, I think yeah. maybe Haas or something like that, but using the full word. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that either because, uh, because of, of that, the, there's a lot of kids that go to these games, and I do think it should be somewhat, you know, uh, wholesome on, on some level. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of MFing going on in the coaching, in the locker rooms and on the court, but I do feel like there should be some um, care about that. The, look, this, this is a, a longer conversation because it's a tough thing, man. Like, this is what young kids listen to. This is what the students listen to. This is what gets them riled up. And just like it used to be the Beatles and the Stones and the Doors and whoever it was in the 60s and you know 70s, um, it's different now. And this is what they, they, they listen to. And cursing in music has become not taboo, but just part of the vernacular. And it's what 18 to 22 year olds that are the student base listen to. And so I think they, they, there's a tough balance on trying to appease them and give them stuff to be excited about and doing stuff for the rest of us that are older and have kids that go to the games and are just from a different time. So I, um, 
I think it's a tough balance. I don't like cursing in songs. There's plenty of edits that can be done that don't have any of the cursing and don't imply that you're saying the. That's F-word. right. No, I, I, you know, I so so the volume. Listen, I'm not you know I'm not 80 years old. I I agree. I don't. I just my thing is really the cursing that they didn't take an edited version that was good. You know, it wasn't edited enough. Like you, everyone could hear what was coming. I just. I know you got to balance the recruits and, you know, right. creating this party environment. You know, I don't know. I mean, they didn't used to play music before the game. It was just the sounds of, you know, warm-ups and the band. And you, when the band would take a break, there was no sound. There um, is that. I'm not suggesting that needs to be the case anymore, but I think take another step towards just cleaning up the edit. You, you have turned into a version of Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino. Oh, take it. I'll take that all day long. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Listen, man, uh, I love that you're going to be going to more games because will you be, will you be at any games the week before Christmas? Will you go to the Notre Dame game at, at Indianapolis? No. Cool. <laughs> will, will you go will you go to bloomington the week before christmas for that game during christmas break sure yeah you well, i will be there with my kids okay. and i hope oh. that i don't have to put earmuffs on them for the f-bombs that are going to be well playing. let's go hey if, let's why don't we go uh go do the nest at buffaloes uh both of both groups of our families let's i would it. love that i would love that all right i'm in will, that sounds great i'm in will uh, you guys will you guys facetime me Yes, yes. Sure, sure, Ward, you're in. Uh, Brian, the reason we love having you on, besides the fact that you're really funny and and you're just kind of born to be a broadcaster as well as born to be a basketball player, uh, you're just totally honest. You you say exactly what you feel. You you don't beat around the bush. And you're not uh, opposed to having people disagree with you and come back at you for it. But what you say, what you see is what you get with you. And that is something that is refreshing in 2021. Uh, Thank you so much. That is, let me say that that's a huge compliment. And I take it that way. I I do appreciate that. It's the only way I know how Um, I've, I've experimented with uh, not being myself once or twice and I didn't like it. So uh, I went back to being myself and I, and I, I, it means a lot to hear you say that. Thank you. Well, and, and I'll say this, Brian, we've had, I don't know, 120 guests on this show and you have been one of them several times. So thanks. Well, hey guys, <laughs> if you bring me, you know, next time I, today we were a little soft <laughs> on the content. If you want next time I'll do it, but I'm going to have to need to see all the questions that you planned, uh, prior just send them over to my publicist sure yeah if you could send us the name and number of that publicist (laughs) okay i'll see what i can do all right be good brian see you brother boys thanks a bunch that was a guest that was a guest well that was a real pick me up he even knows when i'm trying to like set him up to say something to make us happy and excited and he's like let me just deflate you right away because i know that's what you uh are not wanting to hear but i'm gonna tell you and i respect that i don't necessarily enjoy it but i respect it when you were going down the road of former players and the excitement I just was shaking my head. I knew he was not going to answer it affirmatively. I just knew he was going to take 
a giant Evans 34 shit on it. <laughs> and, and that is what he did for a lot of our conversation. Look, I think he's wrong about trace, you know, like we talked about it in the intro, it's 43 points and no one's ever done it. Uh, Oh, he wait, did wait. win me over with Holy Luke Skywalker. That quote of the year so far on this podcast. <laughs> Holy Luke Skywalker, he has no right hand. <laughs> I mean, that is just sensational. Um, look, his, his sobering take on many things happening in IU basketball is um, deflating on some level because I think we're all trying to be just uber positive right now, but especially like him talking about like Christian Lander and things like that. It's just um, Rob Finnessy. It just, it's sad. It's like, it makes me sad. I wanted Brian Evans to be excited. Right. Right. Well, look, the, the reason it's sad and depressing is because it's very pragmatic. It's very realistic. Like it's kind of straight down the middle of, this is what this guy is seeing with no crimson colored glasses on. And I, for one, am always trying to see the glass half full, particularly at this point in the season when we still don't really know what we are against real competition. So I'm trying to extrapolate all oh, this could just keep getting better by the time the competition does. And he he doesn't want anything to do with that conversation. He really doesn't. He hates Cupcake City. And look, he's used to an Indiana team in his day that played Kentucky every year in the non-conference. They almost always had another marquee big game, whether it was Kansas or, you know, UCLA, UCLA or somebody like they were playing somebody really good besides Kentucky every year. The Big Ten was stacked. They played plenty of cupcakes, too, by the way. They did the Indiana classic oh, and the yeah. Hoosier classic. I mean, those were all a bunch of cupcakes, but, but clearly it's a soft schedule. Um, I disagree with him about uh, the rap music. I just think he does sound like Clint Eastwood from Gran Torino. Yeah. I mean, he's well, just get off my lawn. It, but it is interesting on that because you have, this is the game day experience. Okay. And you might have a couple recruits there. And yeah, you want to get your players kind of pumped up for the game too, but you know, they could have their their headphones in. I don't know if college players are allowed to have headphones in. I don't think I see that. But but the point being, you know, to me, and especially during the fan fest, being on the court, like I appreciated the pep band so much more in terms of the, the, the energy they yeah. really can bring. And I know it's not as cool as having Drake blasting through your loudspeakers, but ultimately it's very energizing and for whether it be little kids who, oh, look at the sousaphone, that thing is spectacular, or their parents who don't want to hear them have their kids hearing the F-bomb, or the grandparents. It's like the game day experience is very different than just what you're trying to appeal to recruits, right? And, yes. And I, no, and it I, is. It is. And I and I do think you can find a balance, whether it's with volume level, okay, it's hip-hop without uh, the F-bomb kind of laden everywhere, not very well covered up. You can you can do both of those things in the game day experience. I think you can. I think you do have to prioritize. And I think that the game day experience should be about amplifying and supporting what we like to call and what Fred Glass called the best home court advantage in college basketball. Well, that is driven 
almost not entirely, but it is driven by the students. How excited the students get in that giant student section does determine a lot of the feel in that arena. And they're 18 to 22 year old kids who like listening to Drake and Lil Wayne and Lil Uzi Vert. And I do think you got to give them enough red meat for them. And that is the rap music and the hip hop stuff. And the rest of us who are from a different generation, we got to get our taste of the band and, and some of the more traditional stuff. Maybe the band can play a little uh, Jack and Diane, you know, and, and stuff like that. But, but, but I do I, think you have to prioritize. I have a disconnect on, on how this works because I know we didn't have the same student section. It was a little bit here, a little bit there. It's not right there in that one slab yeah. going all the way up in the main section. But... Yeah, they weren't jamming like, you know, Wu-Tang or Chumbawamba or Bare Naked Ladies, whatever what was big for us in the mid-late 90s. And I got out of my mind with excitement for every single game. So I'm not I'm not like when when is Drake being played to get the student section super fired up during starting lineups? Great. Like you don't want the, the you don't want the band playing then anyway. So you could have something a real banger as uh uh, uh, um, Kendall, Kendall from, Roy, uh, Kendall Roy from Succession would say only By bangers. Way, saddest episode of television I've ever seen. <laughs> that was rough. That was. If rough. you guys are not Succession fans, the episode this last weekend, I honestly think Ward, it's the saddest, most depressing episode of television I've ever seen. You just see a human being totally turn in on himself and realize he is nothing. And yeah. it, I, it was just sad. I liked the episode. Yeah, I liked yeah. it. Made me laugh. I, I cannot I cannot allow myself to to feel too bad for these people. I don't I don't hate them like I think a lot of people do. Uh, I enjoy all of them in kind of how wicked they are. Uh, they are human. They aren't just completely cartoon villains. But but no, I'm not. I'm going to appreciate like, oh, wow, this is this is his whole whole facade crumbling right before his very eyes. Uh, but it's it's I don't I don't feel particularly bad for him. Fair enough. Let's go back to what you were saying. I think that there's a couple things to explore there, like what you were saying and what we were like when we were fans. We saw the 1987 championship. We saw Calvert Cheney. We saw multiple final fours. We saw multiple Big Ten championships. We had a program that was at the top or had been at the top very recently and was revered nationwide, led by a coach who was the biggest star in the sport. Fair. None of that exists now. Sure. And so all of that built-in excitement that you and I had where we knew how special it was to be there and how special it could be again because we weren't that far away from it. They are light years away from it. light years. And I think that they have to manufacture the energy in a way that they did not have to do for 18 to 22 year olds back when you and I grew up as fans of Indiana. So let's Tom and Greg this. Let's game this out. How do you maximize the... What does Tom and Greg mean? Tom and Greg from Succession. 
Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, let, yes. let, let's game this out. Okay, yeah, let's game okay, this Greg, out. Let's game this out. How how does it look to you to to get the the kiddos as pumped up as humanly possible? Um, because they they're the loudest, they're the rowdiest. How do you turn that dial? When do you turn it to get them hyped? You're not gonna. A lot of people will not like this. I think we could use a DJ. I do. I think we could use a live hype DJ that is there for the express purpose of getting the students going. Because I don't think the cheerleaders and the pep band, as good of a job as they do, and they do for you and me and for the Brian Evanses of the world and for the parents and the older generation, that's all you need. But I actually, there are other schools who do this and they have like a live hype man. I think you got to service them a little bit more. And you know what else you got to do? Mm. Win. <laughs> yeah, well, winning cures all. That That's a great... But I do. I wouldn't diagnosis. mind a DJ. I wouldn't mind a live DJ. I wouldn't mind a, a live DJ either, but I think you just... You you do have to share. It's like DJ's turn, pet band's turn. For because, sure. Because, you know, what, what percentage of the crowd is actually students? Like 25%? Um, I don't know, to be honest with you. I think it's more than that. I think... I think of the 17,000, I think the, the student section is like 6,000 of it or something like that. So, and you don't have to break it down exactly by uh, these are the students and these are the old people or the youngsters. Right. Uh, I, I think you can find a happy medium there because you do, you want to make it as inclusive and exciting for everybody. And honestly, with all the freaking timeouts and the pregame and the halftime. There's plenty of time to play music for both sides of it. Um, and, you know, it's it's one of these things of IU being much slower at adapting to uh, the culture, honestly, around basketball than most programs. I don't think it's going to happen overnight. I think there's actually a lot of us out there who do want both. I, I want both of those things. I don't want Drake. I'd rather it be 90s hip-hop because it was clearly superior. Well, it's not going to be 90s hip-hop. It should I mean, be, though. I no, mean, I don't get I'm such an old man. A little Uzi Vert yeah, and DaBaby. Here's what I'd like, especially if there's... It's not going to uh, be Montel Jordan. <laughs> well, I, no, not Montel Jordan. That doesn't, doesn't age so well. <laughs> I would like, honestly, somebody... To make me a playlist of the best 20 hip-hop songs of the last five years. Because besides, like, Kendrick Lamar, yeah. like, I'll try these things. I'll sample. I'll taste it. I'm like, nope. They all sound the same like shit. So I'd like somebody who really knows what's going on and has been for the last few years, let's say like post Jay-Z, you know, like what, uh, please make me the ultimate playlist or just send me the list. I'll put it together on Spotify. I'll listen to it like five times and see if it can get through to me. I just don't think it's any good. Yeah. Again, <laughs> you're old and they don't need to be worrying about you for hip hop. You're going to get the William Tell and the Pep Band, and you're going to be pleased as punch that you're in the building. But an 18-year-old... Yeah, but but 
there's modern music I like. There's contemporary music I like, but I'm not... I'm, at least it's kind of maybe like country music. There's some great modern country music that's not that popular. It's kind of over here to the side, sort of Nashville adjacent, like Sturgill Simpson, right? Love it. Great. But not like the Zach Brown band. Like, give me a break. So maybe love, some, I love the Zach Brown I'm band. I'm sure you don't. But I'm sure there's, there's somebody listening who's like, no, this is the cool hip hop that's happening right now. Ward needs to check this out. Not the Drake and the the number one on the chart guys all right well there is no one listening to this at this point i mean no one all i need is one <laughs> the right one <laughs> yeah um i want atlanta golf nut to put together the hip-hop list for you <laughs> he's from the dirty south he is um all right well listen follow us on twitter at hoosier hysterics for the hysterics no e no i but, but the sometimes, sometimes why if you're listening to this on tuesday Big day today. Big game, road game, first road game in, in Woody's tenure. Uh, Going to be interesting. A lot of these guys have never played on the road in an environment like this because there weren't fans last year for our sophomores and for the freshmen like Tamar Bates. This is a whole new ball game. So We probably should have talked about Syracuse in like the first couple of hours. Yeah, F them. <laughs> Uh, all right, man. Well, we'll uh, let's do it again next week. Okay. All right. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. I love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.